Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Acast recommends podcasts we love. Changemakers is a new podcast series with me, Claire McKenna, talking to people who stand up, speak out, or challenge us to think a little differently. It's about the greater good, families and children, respecting their own individuality. In the next couple of years, like I hope I never have to have conversations about racism ever again. Like, I just want to get to the stage where, you know, people are just people. Nobody's pooling the resources together and actually being able to show how much of an impact it will make when people do come together. Changemakers with Claire McKenna. Search for it now wherever you get your podcasts. Acast is home to the world's best podcasts, including the David McWilliams podcast, I'm Grandmam, and the one you're listening to right now. Welcome, welcome everyone to the Blood and Mud podcast, the podcast that thinks that the Six Nations doesn't really know what the word super means. No, I mean, pooper was my suggestion on Saturday. But it's an yeah. obvious one, but I'll allow it's, it. Yeah, I'm going for the low-hanging fruit, mate. Don't expect <laughs> high-level I mean, you know, 216 episodes in. Yeah. You know, there's only so many zingers <laughs> to go around. <laughs> Yeah, I will absolutely will recycle my Twitter jokes as well because fucking oh, hell, I can't I can't just spin you people gold on Twitter and on podcasts. You've got to accept this. I've uh, oh, I've plagiarised myself so much. Absolutely, I had a t- I had like an eleven year blog archive. I could just go. I'm sure I wrote something about this and just do like a term search. I just copied that entire paragraph. <laughs> People don't understand that people are seeing behind the curtain here of how unfunny we really are. <laughs> or how lazy we are, put it that That's way. It. I mean, we're still fucking unbelievably yeah. funny. At like point of order. It's just that there's a... It's the, just we're lazy with it. Just yeah. lazy with it, yeah. Yeah. There's only so much you can do. It's hard being funny. It is. It is. I mean, as a lot of people in the rugby world demonstrate on a near daily basis. As the Pro 14 account demonstrates oh, regularly. Oh, Jesus Christ, they should stop. Bless them. They're really. You can, as I said, you can almost they're smell really, off the screen how much, how hard they're trying. They're really trying so hard. 
Uh, whatever that fucking monster thing was the other day. That was. I, I, it's a, it monster, all voice Was it a Monsters still? Inc. thing? That was it. Yeah. Oh, it was. And it called Monsters, Monsters Inc. Yeah. Monsters Inc. And it was just. It was just A, a shit joke. <laughs> totally unrelated clip. Bad Photoshop. Put those three things together. A joke. Maybe I. Maybe I'm old. Maybe it's me that doesn't get it. I don't think it could be you that's miserable, Josh. Neither me or you <laughs> can be miserable about these things. They must be funny. I just like it to be actually funny. That's all I want. There's a Bristol lot of funny Bears. people on Twitter. Bears, the Bristol barbarians Bears. lads have got a lot to yeah. answer for, haven't they? Yeah, but that's the they let those guys do it and be funny with it because clearly they are funny people in their employ. When you go for an interview for those things, do they let you like give you a video and say, make something funny out of this? I mean, I wish they had. I mean, they should they do, did. shouldn't they? Because that's what they have to do. You know, something's just happened, say something funny about it. I think the reality is that they probably hired people with, you know, experience slash qualifications in social media. And I'm sure they're very good at their jobs, but it was probably doing sort of comms for, you know, a charity or, you know, a, a, you know, a fucking... Duke of Edinburgh thing or something, you know. It's like they're, they're not being funny on the internet is not the same as being a social media person. And there's an awful lot of social media people who are being made to be funny on the internet in the rugby world at the moment. And I feel for them a great deal. Yes, they're doing their do. best. Yeah, as we are. Well, ah, doing my best here. I am Lee, <laughs> who's continuing to do my best, and over there, always doing his best. Is... In most of the time, yeah. Josh, just about. So, Six Nations weekend, Supersonic, Super Saturday. I was all pumped up. I mean, I was working, so I had to like pump. And I was genuinely quite pumped. I thought it should be great, this. Right through till 10 o'clock tonight, because I did the first game for the Guardian. Then I had a break in the middle, and I did the final game. I thought, I've got the great part of this. Mm. After watching England wallop in Italy in the middle and try and copy and paste, try England 87 times, (laughs) I thought this would be good. But it was, um, Uh, it wasn't to be, was it? It was a. It was probably the every single game, and we'll. I mean, we'll get to this we'll later. To but all three games had mega probables v possibles vibes. <laughs> After me, yeah. all right, we'll get to that later on. Yeah. You and the. So, did you do anything else apart from be disappointed by the rugby this weekend? Uh, glossed some doors and skirting boards. It was more interesting than some of the rugby I watched. If I'm honest, quite literally watching paint dry. More fun. I did. I got very frustrated the weekend because my wife was shopping mm. and she came back and she brought back with her um, crisps, mm-hmm. which is not disappointing. No, Until not. you realise it was vegetable crisps. Oh, see. So I wanted to ask you what your position is on the vegetable crisp. Why? What's the fucking point? Sweet potato, parsnip, beetroot. I just don't believe that they're that much better for you than just good old-fashioned potato crisp. But they're still deep-fried, aren't they? Exactly. And I feel the same. And equally, baked crisps. You can tell me that they're yeah, better for me. That. But fuck off, are they? They're still covered in fucking salt. And right? it's another hideous middle-class thing, isn't it? And you know yeah. it's a hideous middle-class oh, thing. Oh, yeah. Because only the fucking posh brands make vegetable crisps, don't they? It's yeah. your Tyrrells of this world. Absolutely. Or it's there's your no, Waitrose zone or your m There's M&S no zone. fucking Golden Wonder salted <laughs> parsnip crisps, is there? They don't do Spa's own brand yeah. parsnip crisps. They don't do they sweet potato exist. space raiders. No. 
Although I'd try them. <laughs> I, think... I would, yeah. Because I'm such a chippy bastard, I would probably eat those and pretend they were nice, <laughs> just to make a point. See, I think when you're dealing with a sort of popped crisp scenario in a sort of Space Raider-y kind of vibe, I don't think it matters what the fundamental vegetable <laughs> that you're making it from. You know, it's so distinct. It's all been turned to powder and stuck together with gloy gum. Exactly. End, I think. It doesn't yeah. matter if that's sweet potato or, or fucking swede or fucking car tyre, it'll probably taste the same. As long as you put enough fucking flavouring on it, it tastes fine. I'll tell you what I've decided I don't like. Have you seen that they've tried, they've done those hula hoops that are not really hula hoops now? They're like, imagine if a hula hoop was a disco, effectively. So they've, they've inflated... A flat, round hula hoop. Well, in, this, in, sort of the, in the way that discos are that sort of like inflated crisp kind of vibe. It's like that, but with a hula hoop. I think they call it hula hoop popped or something. They're like oh, okay. popped. And it's going for the healthy thing. But honestly, it, it just tastes like polystyrene. It's someone's taken a perfectly good hula hoop and made it out of polystyrene, and I'm not here for it. It's like rice rice cakes. Yeah, which are only edible if you cover them in chocolate. Yeah, well, we and when you eat them, you sound like you're eating insulation. <laughs> As I discovered, it feels like you are. As I discovered, when my kids were very small and we went to church, and to oh. keep them occupied, I passed them some rice cakes. And they were going, buddy, eat this, buddy. And he was like, he's like, <laughs> we threw him you with him and in him. <laughs> I mean, you can't, there's no way to quietly eat a crisp unless you do that weird thing where you leave the crisp in your mouth for so long that it effectively disintegrates. The only but, thing I, there's something I can't get on with as well with my wife, who I love dearly, mm. but I, I can't get, I've had to put this aside because I love her so much. This is an insidious in health thing. Mm. She's a crisp licker. Oh, what the fuck is wrong with people? <laughs> <laughs> well, and actually, and, and, and it makes your tongue really fucking sore on a practical yeah, level. Yeah, yeah, if you've got yeah. salt and vinegar crisp, which you're, which you're double side licking each time you're putting in your gob. <sighs> Some, I mean, it just shows really the, the, the great fucking. Because we're on lockdown, of course, of all this is winding up even say, more. I was going to say. <laughs> but it just, you know, the, the, the whole breadth of human fucking experiences in this podcast. There's Chris Blickers, there's normal people, there's everyone in between. Which rugby players would be double Chris Blickers in your <laughs> <laughs> Toby Flood strikes me as a double Chris Blicker. I don't know why, but he absolutely does. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Nick Tompkins strikes as a double crisp. Oh, 100%. I bet he eats things in really weird, chaotic ways. There's no reason ways. to know why, no, it's but because, you know it's absolutely No, no, right. I tell you why it is, because everything he does has chaotic energy, and so it stands to reason that his eating habits are equally chaotic in that he just does weird He's one of those people that kind of, you know, eats tiny little bits of things. You know, like when people like nibble at stuff instead of just eating it like a normal person. Like you'll have three bites of a crisp instead of just eating a crisp. He's that kind of guy. <laughs> ben Smith doesn't like crisps and doesn't eat any other flavour but plain. Oh, yeah. <laughs> really sorted man through and, and through. He won't, and, and he finds grab bags upsetting. He has to get yes, normal size ones. Yeah. Well, what he'll do is he'll buy the he'll buy the six pack of supermarket own brand ready salted crisps, and then he'll bring them with him. So much cheaper, than... tastes exactly, exactly the same. Exactly, so much you know, he's just being sensible with it. Yeah, he brings a pack lunch to training. Hundred percent, hundred percent. So anyway, there you go. 
let the word go forth from here. We will not tolerate. Yeah. So any sponsors from Tyrrell's keep moving yeah. on because obviously yeah. you were queuing up to. Yeah, we nearly I mean, got a very we... interesting sponsorship deal last week, didn't we? <laughs> uh, I, I believe that uh, some of our, our friends in the podcast world have indulged in that particular sponsorship. And we mean deal. genuine um, friends; we're not being sarcastic. No, 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 hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, uh, and uh, and more power to them than their bald deodorant. That's what I say. Bald deodorant and yeah, pube trimmers. But pube it wasn't trimmers. for us. Wasn't for us, Clive. We said no. I mean, ultimately, do you want to hear us do a sort of forced <laughs> comedy thing? Where we talk about shaving our balls, it's bad and the answer talk- to that, the answer to that is no. It's bad enough when we talk about licking crisps. Exactly. So you know what I mean. <laughs> We've already had your vasectomy. We don't need to know about the maintenance around. We've that had two area. stories about my balls. Double vasectomy. Yeah. Well, we've had, and we've had the cyst had removed. Yep. So we're not moving on to what they're not going to fucking stegosaurus we're shape not moving, into it. We're not moving on to ball deodorant. There's a line. The line has not to be drawn somewhere. for this. We haven't said who no. it is, so that's no, fine. Exactly. <laughs> I just like saying ball deodorant. <laughs> but you see, that could also sound like baldy space odorant. Well, I mean, given how regularly people think that my website is something that isn't, <laughs> I should really be careful ball with how deodorant, I pronounce words. Like... <laughs> Willie Hines stinking. <laughs> Ball deodorant is like a Jonah Lumu rugby like regen <laughs> player. It <laughs> comes on for Romania. Yeah. Uh, anyway, if you want to get in touch with us, yeah, you can get in touch with me, Lee at bloodandmud.com or at bloodandmud on the Twitter. What about you, mm-hmm. Josh? Uh, at Josh Gardner, uh, at rugbyshirtwatch and indeed rugbyshirtwatch.com. Indeed. Uh, did you much much feedback on the Lions shirt this week? Much love for it. Uh, a lot of people absolutely hate it for reasons I can't really understand. Yeah, it's not that um, offensive, is it? It's not, not. I don't like. I it. don't like it. I don't want to yeah, buy I'm, it, but yeah, I probably won't buy it. I'm not a big fan of the weird lion graphics on the show. Of course, shoulder. we got a free one each last time. We did, and I've got fuck all this time. So. <laughs> <laughs> See, we might we'll have to go for the ball deodorant if we're not going free rugby shirt now. But yeah, I don't, I'm not going to buy it. I bought a few other bits and bobs of lion stuff. I think the stash is very, very nice. I don't a vest? like the sh- uh, fucking right. I've bought a vest, mate. <laughs> the vest comes around, but once every four years. So, uh, and I didn't buy a vest last time because it was in my pre-vest days. So you're damn right. So, I'm going to make sure that I'm vest. I've basically protected vest, protecting myself for the next four years. My my crisp licking is mm. your wife's vests. Yeah, yeah, almost certainly yes. I mean, she's totally fed up with his vest delivery scenario, and hundred percent. Uh, and to be honest with you, she, I think she was just pleasantly surprised when my Roots Rugby T-shirt turned up from Canada today, and it was a T-shirt. I mean, I'm going back for the singlet. Don't get me wrong, but you know, yeah, the I've, T-shirt's I've... going down a charity shop because what use have you got for it was a singlet, right? <laughs> I wear it every day. I love that T-shirt. It's great. So anyway, we're on we're on Acast, Josh. Yeah, we are. We're on Apple Podcasts. We're also mm. on patreon.com slash blood and mud. Thank you, everybody, for your support. Those new people who are annual subscribers and all that, that's something you can do now, as you well know. You can pay two quid, gets you access to everything. Mm. I mean, the pri- I mean, it's a woefully, amazingly brilliant price. It's an inadequate price for the quality, really. Uh, it is. But we absolutely should have charged you more. Uh, and I'm sure many of you would have paid it, but we decided not to because... Well, it's too late now. Yeah. Can't go back. Yeah. Can't go back. However, there is also a you, two quid gets you all the episodes, but if you want to pay five quid, you get a special mention. I must point out, 
if you are a new person who pays five quid, I get mm. to see that quite easily on the Patreon dashboard and I can mm. pull it out. If you are somebody who's up to your subscription, it's um, quite tricky. It, it's more it awkward. So I, I, I catch most of them, but I do miss some. So some people have written, do write in and say, look, I'm sorry, but I have, please do that. If you up your subscription, just mm-hmm. ping me a quick message because then I will absolutely notice it and pick it up. And don't be afraid of saying, oi, you've not mentioned me because you, oh, you deserve yeah. to be yeah. mentioned. You've paid, for, you've paid for this service somehow. So, you, so you <laughs> for some it. reason, yeah. So if you want to join the VIP lounge, you get your name read out and we have a go at saying what kind of rugby player you are. So this <laughs> week... Sorry, we. I, I just had a brief look at Twitter, and somebody's just submitted a photo of the Lions, uh, new Lions singlet that they've bought mm-hmm. uh, because I told them to buy it on Rugby Shit Watch, <laughs> um, and it looks very nice. And I've just also real got an email saying that my Lions singlet is arriving at some point between half past seven and nine o'clock. So uh, oh, it, it literally arrived. There could be a live arri- unboxing. Yeah, literally while we're on air. The lion singlet will arrive. That's your and retirement also, plan. That is your retirement we, plan. You should do I'm, live singlet boxing YouTube channels. Oh, imagine it. Well, do you know what? I used to, I did work with uh, another retailer in America at one point, and they wanted me to do video reviews, and I was like, "You do not want me to do video reviews." <laughs> I, like, I think you go quite well. One, I think you do fine. Also, two, I've seen people who do video reviews, and most of them are awful. And I'm they sure get like a hundred million like, views. Do you really want to watch me trying on a rugby shirt on YouTube? No, you don't. Some you of the guitar lads, don't. I watch a lot of guitar videos now, and some of the guitar lads are appalling. And I don't just mean the ones we've talked about. I mean, I mean, I mean, it it makes it, people enjoy it because they feel, it feels down to earth and uh, mm. and fair play. Uh, so yeah, we might have a live uh, Lions stash delivery on air. Um, but you can't see. I mean, it's content. I, I mean, no wonder you yeah. pay for this content. Some of you. <laughs> I mean, we've got we've got live rugby going on while this goes on as well because it's Pro Fourteen hashtag Monday Night Rugby, which I still think is seven six. Last I looked to Cardiff, is it still live? Uh, no, uh, Ulster have lo- uh, beaten Cardiff eleven seven, uh, and Zebra are currently beating the Ospreys seventeen three. But of course they are because we literally hell. we're literally half the squad's got COVID. The rest are off with Wales, and we're starting a literal child fly off, an actual fetus at twelve. <laughs> Who's eighteen years old and never played Still a game of professional rugby? Yeah, that's this. This is the funny thing: the, the debutant who's starting at ten gets in ahead of Luke Price. You're and, starting ten from about eight months ago. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we're still losing seventeen three, but of course we are. We were always going to. Anyway, if yes. people want to get anyway, the name, in the VIP. Me. It's five quid. You can pay mm. up front for the year if you're new and you want to do it that way, and you get a couple of months knocked off for that. Yeah. Anyway, this week we have, first of all, Rob Eaton. Now, I've got Rob as Rob the Rifle Eaton. Oh, love oh, it. Tell you what. Played fullback for Per Temps Bees with little success oh, in the 2000s. Per Temps Bees. Tried his hand at centre with even less success. And now is an underemployed children's magician called Mystery Rob. He's working, but that's a bit slow at the minute. So he's working for Test and Trace, where he makes more stuff disappear than in his act. Hey! Hey! Come on! Hey! Circo. Thank you. Thank you, Robbie. (laughs) Uh, Next up. Uh, next up is uh, Cressida Evans, who's uh, a live wire scrum off for Monster Women, uh, who causes untowards headaches 
video analysis sessions when she tries to get her coaches and teammates to describe anything that didn't work as a problem play uh, so that she can inevitably turn the conversation to Shakespeare's problem plays uh, and in particular her namesake the uh, famously bleak uh, Troilus and Cressida, which she is absolutely obsessed with and has been since she realised she was named for it as a young teen. Uh, unfortunately, the rest of the squad are more of a sort of as-you-like-it kind of group, so it just causes Typical unnecessary... Rugby, isn't it? It's fair enough, Typical. yeah. So I just want to make the point that Cressida was nominated by his sister, Vanessa, who's a patron. Uh, Cressida apparently lives in Brazil. Oh, fairly. Lives in Brazil and listens every week, but won't pony up the money. <laughs> I respect that. I well, respect she has to pay to go to Brazil. Exactly. And the economy's not great, is it? So I suppose. Not, I mean, hi, Cressida. Hello, Cressida. Thank you for listening every week you're, from Brazil. You're definitely our one Brazilian listener. Yes. Who's next? Thank you to uh, Vanessa and thank you to Cressida. Well, not thank you, Cressida. Thank you, Vanessa, for nominating yeah. your sister. <laughs> um, Peter, I've got next, Peter Mori. What's Peter then? Pete Morrie was a six at Oral when Oral were good. <laughs> he does sound like an Oral player. He does. He now he works really does. close security for Ooh. Manchester Metro Mayor Andy Burnham. <laughs> and Andy chides him a lot for not playing proper rugby. Uh, see, but it's only playful. Not... It's only playful. Exactly. It's, it's, it's all in fun, isn't it? Yeah. You know? And lastly... Fo- yeah, finally then, we've got Phil Koppel, who's uh, a stat-obsessed winger for Old Slytherians RFC. Uh, he's a decent player, but he has to sit up the front of the bus so that he won't break out all the sort of homemade analysis spreadsheets that he does that break down all of the opposition's strengths and weaknesses, along with some meticulously crafted strategies that he's been up all night to sort of exploit these tendencies. Unfortunately for him, nobody else gives a fuck because they just want to play rugby and have a laugh with their mates and not do video sessions on the bus home. I bet Phil's one of those people who does extravagant like stuff in Excel. 100%. But, formulas all over the but place. But doesn't change the default font. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's 100% in Arial or Calibri Everything's the same or size. Yeah. And Cal- Everything's Calibri 11 throughout the entire <laughs> thing. No highlighting, nothing. <laughs> Finally... Um, just before we move on with this, there are also some people who pay above the odds. Yeah, heroes who are, we call as we them. Know, in the heavenly host of angels. Mm-hmm. This week's angels, first of all, is Gary Gorge, who's a Gary. Remember we were talking last week about double R Gary? Gary's of Bar- no single Gary. Ah, fair enough. I've had a few messages about Gary's of Barry's this <laughs> week, which have not which have not managed Brilliant. to pull together. I do apologise. I, I mean, it's lo- it's lovely to tease people to come back next week. <laughs> I mean, no, this, really is, this is what they pay for. Um, mm-hmm. So Gary Gorge, who's generous generously upped his um, contribution this month. However, mm. I've then realised he generously upped it like he did last year to the score in the World Cup final to shithouse me via patronage. <laughs> because it that. is a year to I the day. That. A year to the Indeed, day today. A year to the day today since the World Cup final. Since since the box since fucking the... tonked us in that World Cup final. <laughs> so Since the funny day, as so, I like to remember. Well done, it. Gary. But I just like yeah. to point out, I've still got your fucking money. So I only... <laughs> Well, no, I've got half your money because I've got to give out to Josh. And half of it is me just going do that every year, mate. It's hilarious. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And and also, guess what's his up to his uh, contribution? Who? In the heavenly host of angels, friend of the pod, Adam Reese. Oh, fair play, Ad. He's coming to to some money, is he? I I don't know. Have you you given some free lads work recently? (laughs) Oh, goodness, no. (laughs) 
<laughs> Quite right, too. I mean, I don't, I, I won't have any of that metal nonsense. What I like about I Adam is, he's, he's an equal opportunity shit music lover, really. He loves, he loves all the bad music, and I love him dearly for it. He's the, loads of music he loves is I love, so I can't say anything. Anyway, UK air guitar champion, never forget it. We we attract all the right kind of people Absolutely. to this podcast. So that's that's the Patreon stuff. Patreon.com slash blood and mud if you want to do the VIP. I've got a couple of things. Indeed. We're gonna do team of the nineties next, I promise. We're gonna get we one actually, in before we, Christmas. We definitely said we're gonna do another one this year, which is I mean we said it on air now, we've got to do it, surely. I'm also interviewing Michael Aylwin about yes. his book about how completely in the shit rugby is. <laughs> Sounds like it's right up our street. I was going to so. say, it's bang on with our. And of course, I, mean, he's, I could actually say this out. Who's my colleague at The Guardian, Michael Elwood? Because he has <laughs> never spoken to him before, never seen him, never emailed him. But he's my colleague at The Guardian. Now then. Now then, now then. We start as we always start mm-hmm. with a player spotted. Yes. Ollie White DMs. Hello, Ollie. Hi, he Ollie. says, a few weeks before lockdown, me and my now ex girlfriend. Then he says, fuck COVID, don't worry, she's not dead. Well, I'm glad to hear that. Sorry she's your ex-girlfriend, but I'm glad she's not dead. He says, we went for breakfast near Scood Gladys, near Glenneath Waterfalls. Mm-hmm. Are you aware of that? I don't know that. I don't know uh, Glenneath. It's, but I'm... It's, a, it's a little bit down the valley for my... I, I say that, my dad lives there, I just don't know anything about it. <laughs> he said, uh, she had a breakfast roll and I had an avocado and chorizo bagel. I mean, that to me shows that you two were not meant to be. It does show you're not meant to go to two. Also, a cafe by Glenneath Waterfall does avocado and chorizo bagels for breakfast. I mean, that was the second my follow-up on that, yeah. It's yeah. Like, does that, do they sell a lot of those? I mean, of course they do. There's loads of rugby players in that neck of the woods. That's They're true. all on the avocado yeah, fucking toast, aren't they? They'll be there afternoon chomping that and having coffee, won't they? Mm-hmm. Having that coffee that's by that fellow who used to play for the Ospreys. Or is he still there? Uh, yeah, Fat Dragon Coffee or whatever it is. Is that? I know that's, that's, that's Scott Cotton got one. Oh it? yeah, yes, they've all got one. That's the problem. <laughs> Fat Dragon is uh, is Dylan Lewis's coffee coffee company, I believe. Right. Which, yeah. Um, anyway, he says, as we were leaving, I spotted a familiar face walking past me. On second glance, I recognised it was none other than Welsh rugby's journeyman of journeymen, <sighs> Tavis Noyle. Oh. Lovely stuff. Upon my realisation, I turned to my girlfriend and said, is that, and before I could finish, she said, yes, that's Tavis Noyle. Everyone knows him round here, and he's also a dick. (laughs) Ollie says, to this day, I I still don't know why he's apparently a dick, but nevertheless, I hope this is enough of a mundane player spotted for you guys. Fair enough, yeah. he was. It's it's still a marvel to me that Tavis Noyle is still a thing. It's a marvel to me that he's he's recognisable because I wouldn't know him got, if I tripped over him. Probably. I tell you what, Tavis Noyle has got quite a distinctive face. He's got a permanently cross face, which you know, he just does one of those faces that just looks like it's a fuming. It's just all times just scowly. Because he was out of the game for a while, wasn't he? And, the, and I think he became a personal trainer. Well, he's been passed from pillar to post. I'd be, and I'd then, be yeah, fuming, no, I think. He came off the bench for the Dragons. Uh, Last on uh, Sunday against Munster, he's he's still very much in the game. Only person I've ever known be called Tavis as well. That too, yeah. I don't even think it's it's a Welsh thing because I don't know. I don't know any more Tavis. Because if it was Tavis, it would have an F, one F. Yeah, yeah. There's the V in it for starters. Yeah, you've invented a Welsh name then anglicised it. That's deep. That's a deep (laughs) cut. 
It's like an Inception Welsh name. Yeah. Tavis, of course, one of the uh, the elite few who've played for all four regions, of course. Indeed. Yeah. Did he play for Wales? Uh, yeah, and he played for Wales. Yeah. He's got 11 caps, apparently. Good for Is that more or less than Richie Reese? Uh, I'd say that's less than Richie Reese. Richie Reese has probably got a terrifyingly large number of caps. <laughs> yeah. Let's All find of out. Which from minute sixty onwards. Because <laughs> there was a period. Oh no, he's only got nine caps. That's, oh. I think, he did seem to be ever present for a little while. Yeah, he, he was. He was always around. But I think the reality is that he perhaps didn't get into as many squads as he could. They kind of work. They kind of because. They both started playing for Wales around about the same time, which is about 2010. And obviously, Richie Reese kind of didn't play for him for very long. Yeah. There we go. Thank you very much, Ollie. That was a belter. It was. Travis Noyes also played for both Neath Lechley and Pontypridd in the Premiership. if If he could play for Cardiff RFC, that would mean that he'd played for club teams and... The representative teams of, like, or well, if he played for Newport rather, then that's kind of done all the kind of club teams of the regions, of as, the well. regions as well. And let, I mean, I'm sure Blues fans would be, have lots to say about me describing Pontypridd as one of the Blues <laughs> a Blues club team, but uh, it is yeah. not it? It is part of their of course it is, yeah, that region thing. They should <laughs> ban that word. It should be. It should be like in in like New Zealand where they ban people calling your kids certain certain names. Yeah, they should ban the word region in Welsh rugby. It shouldn't be allowed to be <laughs> they used. Should, they should certainly it's misleading ban it between the sort of. Heads of the Valleys and Cardiff, because it doesn't go down well there for some reason. No. Anyway, should we start the podcast? Yeah, let's start the podcast with the news. Acast recommends podcasts we love. Changemakers is a new podcast series with me, Claire McKenna, talking to people who stand up, speak out, or challenge us to think a little differently. It's about the greater good, families and children, respecting their own individuality. In the next couple of years, like I hope I never have to have conversations about racism ever again. Like, I just want to get to the stage where, you know, people are just people. Nobody's pooling the resources together and actually being able to show how much of an impact it will make when people do come together. Changemakers with Claire McKenna. Search for it now wherever you get your podcasts. Acast is home to the world's best podcasts, including the David McWilliams podcast, I'm Grandmam, and the one you're listening to right now. Yes, um, the ticket prices for um, the Lions versus Japan match at Murrayfield next year have been revealed, and uh, were they not cheap? They're not cheap at all. <laughs> Lions versus Japan at Murrayfield. Yes. How much? Uh, what do you think they start at? Cheapest ticket in the room. Cheapest, Cheapest ticket in the room. Awful, now, normally, for God awful you can, you can squeeze one out at about 45 quid, can't you? <laughs> yeah, so you what's can. the cheapest one? I reckon the cheapest one is what? Is it a ton or something? It's not quite a ton. Cheapest price, 85 quid, um, going up to 116, 137. Well, you have to sit in the toilets all game for that and just be past a bit of Basically, yeah, yeah, happened. yeah. You are. You might as well, you know be watching ants play rugby from there. Uh most expensive ticket is 152, which isn't too bad, really. But you know, it's still I mean but it's, it's cracking day out Edinburgh though. It's, got, it's cracking it's cracking day out and it's also a chance to go and watch the Lions without having to go on tour, which makes the demand for this is going to be unfucking believable. It's probably the only Lions game that's going to be played. 
And it might well be the only Lions game that gets played as well. This might be the de facto Thoughts, tour, guys. Josh and everyone, pod out in, Murrayfield, Lions. Into it, into it, absolutely into it. I think the Vodafone should pay for us. They should, yeah, somebody should. As, an important, Vodafone. as, an, as an important sort of, you know, voice in the something. But I, but I went to watch Edinburgh Munster last season, season before. I did it mm, in a day. Yeah. Did it in a day on the train. Fair Got the train at six o'clock. Six o'clock because it was like a four p.m. kickoff. Mm. Got the train at six a.m. from here, straight up there. Belting. Indeed. Uh, yeah, and Jen, kids can go from forty-three quid, which well, is too much. Don't tell your kids; they won't appreciate it. <laughs> no, they won't. Uh, what else we got in news? The Six Nations Player of the Tournament shortlist is out, Josh. I haven't actually seen this, so I'm really excited. Let to me see hit how you up this is. with the shortlist. <laughs> okay, kids. Maro Itoji. Fair enough. CJ Stander. Just about fair enough, yeah. Gregory Aldrit. Uh Top try scorer, wasn't he? Plus, had a good tournament. Yeah. Antoine Dupont. Fucking right he is. Roman Untermack. Absolutely. And finally, Ben Young. <laughs> no, that's not true. It is absolutely That's, that's incorrect. <laughs> ben Young is on off. the shortlist. Unbelievable. The lengths to which people will go to pretend that Ben Young's is a good player. I just astound me. You know what you think? Because I can't remember anything since before the lockdown. I thought, I've, I've obviously forgotten something here. So I went on to like have a look. Well, what's he been doing? What did he do with the rest of the tournament? Well, I'll tell you what he did the rest of the tournament. He scored two tries versus Italy at the weekend. Yeah. He um, was at the heart of England's, what can best be described as malaise versus France. Yes. He came off the bench versus Scotland. Yes. And other than against Italy, he scored no points whatsoever and zero tries in this tournament. However, as the Six Nations is uh, keen to point out, he has kicked 1,306 metres, which shows his understanding of how important the territory battle is. I can't even get to it. Sorry. What the fuck? I've never seen anyone use the metres kicked stat before. That's so... Aggregated metres kicked to show an understanding of the game that gets you nominated for player of the tournament. They've also, also, it's not even that good because I've just looked at DuPont. DuPont's kicked for 1,500 metres, which is the most in the championship. How much DuPont understands territory with that level of kicking? (laughs) I tell you what, the photo they've used of DuPont on the Six Nations page, it just makes his his head look like a spitting image puppet. They've put some sort of weird filter on him. And he legitimately looks like he's been crafted out of latex. <laughs> looks like a caricature of himself. <laughs> I'm sure he doesn't normally look like that. It's not a flattering angle anyway. I can't work out whether DuPont's a good-looking man or not. I don't think he's a good-looking man. I think he's an unbelievably good rugby player. Well, yes. I don't think he's a good-looking man. I don't think anybody's man. under any illusions about <laughs> that anymore. I think I mean, it's easy to forget how quickly he's come through, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, how, I many, can remember, how many caps has he got? It's probably a scarily small number. It's probably like he's probably got less caps than Richie Reese. <laughs> <laughs> but I can remember um, it was either it was it was I think it was Ilted David, Ilted David, who's out in, mm. um, in in France and covers. I'm sure it was him mentioning about this Toulouse scrum half who looks 
unbelievable. And I think that was about 18 months ago. Yeah, he made his debut for Toulouse in 2017. Uh, he had previously played for Cast for, uh, like, I, I assume he was in Cast's youth system. I don't know anything about French rugby. So according to this, yeah, he got, in 2014, he he was, um, he's from, he was originally, oh, <laughs> which is definitely not how you pronounce it, but I'm well, so I choose to, uh, and then joined Cast after they got relegated from the Pro D2. And then after he played 60 times for Cast, and he's only played 45 times for Toulouse and 25 times for France. It's staggering. And yet he is head and shoulders the best nine in the world, in my opinion. Yeah. It's not even close. Both by shoulder size and head oh, volume. Huge shoulders, massive Swede. And just a big old neck as well. Really big neck. Yeah. What a player. I mean, what you know. Fuck I mean, we'll talk about we it. Could I'm quite sure. forever, but anyway, speaking of the opposite end of that, the nominations and scores. Yes. Ben Young's man. It's just because you got Andre Caps. So yeah, that's hundred percent. That's and like you, they've forgotten absolutely everything about what happened pre-lockdown. <laughs> I thought so I was they... going insane. I thought I've obviously <laughs> forgot what a brilliant fucking. But then of course you just run that gif of him launching that ball into touch versus France, don't you? Mm. It's 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 quite a thing. It really is, and it just shows. I don't actually these, think these he's players... had a dreadful tournament. No, but he's certainly not. He's one... certainly... I mean. The, on the flip side of that, um, there's definitely a vibe that this was just a, such a bad tournament. They were really scrabbling around trying to find somebody that played well. But why are no Scottish players in that? Because there's definitely a couple of Scottish players that I put in the frame for team player of the tournament. Fucking right. Jamie Ritchie for starters. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's... It feels mad to me. The mesh is had a strong one. Yeah. You know, it's... Hogg's had a good one, actually. Hogg has actually had a good one. Ali Price been very good. You know, it's... it's To toss, to casually, just casually toss Ben Young's in there. <laughs> just feels churlish, if I'm honest. Right. Anyway, That's yes. So we're not happy about that. Not happy about that. No. I think more baffled. Yeah. I deliberately, we mentioned this before we came on, and he said, I've not seen it yet. I said, well, just wait, don't look until I tell you. So, <laughs> hence, he's still a bit You've got you an entirely authentic reaction there. It was not a happy one. Uh, what else have we got in the news? Fiji are riddled with COVID. Yes, uh, but Semi's going to be fit for the Autumn Nations Cup, so nobody really cares about the whole riddled with COVID thing as long as he plays. Assuming they can put a team out. Yeah, if they've got three players in the squad that have got COVID, which, to be fair, the Ospreys have got three. Well, there's rumours it's nine now. Fuck, is it nine now? The Ospreys have had three players of test positive with COVID this week, and they're playing right now. So, I mean, rugby doesn't seem to (laughs) care that much. Of course, a week Monday, I will be in the free, unlocked Republic of Wales. While you, you 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 saps, are all be locked in your house till the second of December, bless you. Yeah, which will big difference change change my life in absolutely zero way at all. But you know, <laughs> have to cheer yeah. yourself up by ordering some more singlets, aren't you? Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm just going to keep a steady stream of stash arriving for the next month, every day or so. Keep people in a job. Yeah, exactly. I'm supporting the economy. Uh, what else have we got here? Money. Speaking of the economy, mm. uh, no one's got any money. Obviously, 
Definitely not. From a rugby point of view, obviously I know a lot of people struggling with work as well. So if you're one of those people, I'm I'm sorry, and I hope it sorts itself out for you. Um, yeah, we're not making light of it, honestly. We're just kind of dicks. But the IRFU, yes, have finally been bailed out by the government, which is no doubt no doubt going to get the RFU pissed off one way or the other. Yeah, did did, did like the RFU get any? Money there was rumours that them and horse racing were going to get some. Uh, all all the posh sports. To be um, fair, yeah. with horse racing, loads of working class outside. people do horse racing yeah. and, and, it's and, well, and, and love it. So actually, the fact that everyone owns the horses is posh is a different thing altogether. But I mean, I think the argument is that the people who own the horses are generally doing quite well. Oh, of course they are, yeah. <laughs> but then the owners of pretty much everything are doing quite well. You only get called so. the arger if, if you're a posh cooker or an incredibly rich man who mm-hmm. so, owns horses. Yes, so the IF, they've got uh, the equivalent of 16.2 million quids, uh, which, given that their deficit is 32 million quid, is, uh, <laughs> I mean, it'll, it'll help, but not a lot. They've probably got some kind of plan, haven't they? Recovery You'd plan. So. We can claw back 16, but we need the other 16, please. Yes. I think, I'm just loving that because I imagine, who's that mad Irish journalist who hates Irish rugby or lives in Brazil? He'll be uh, flipping his fucking lid about this. I can't remember his name. I don't is. know, but he said, is it, has he got Richard Littlejohn vibes? Oh, he's, about... he's, he absolutely despises Irish rugby and the fact that it's okay. given any prominence by the Irish media because he says that, that it, they're a terrible team and have done nothing. <laughs> I mean, he's, he's absolutely incorrect there, but I appreciate that <laughs> commitment yes. to being a shithouse. Uh, yeah, so other money-wise, World Rugby have come out and said, obviously everyone's in the shit. It's like mm. they just noticed this week, weirdly. Um, and um, <laughs> Fuck you, that. And they've got a £77 million slush fund to start dishing out to people. Um, and the priority is the stricken Tier 1 nations are the first people to be receiving the money. Yeah, I mean, let's... let's I, I was going to make a joke about them not needing it, but let's be honest, the game will be fucked if the Tier 1 nations it's go true. to the It's true. It's easy to go, oh, well, what about the Tier 1? Actually, to be honest, they're the ones who bring in all the fucking money. So if they fold, yeah. no one's got a chance. So. Yeah, it's, 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 it's very much the RFU, uh, World Rugby, rather, investing in its future. It's, you know, if, they, if there's no fucking anything like that, then how on earth is are we going to keep supporting... Like smaller nations, if there's no England and no Ireland and no Wales and no France, you know. Yeah, so that's happening. And then finally, the news for me um, the uh, Argen in France lost. Yes. yes. 71 points to three to Bordeaux <laughs> at the weekend. Oh, I saw this. Yeah. Now, why is that news? Well, I'll tell you why it's news. The president of Argen sacked the entire coaching team before the game finished. I mean, that's one way to get it out of the way, isn't it? It is yeah. one way to get it out of the way. So <laughs> the, then the coaching team didn't even get to do the press conference afterwards because they had been sacked prior to the 80th minute. That's some Gareth Jenkins shit right there. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. Uh, but even more so let's be honest even Uh, more so and and beautifully French yeah beautifully French it's it's you cannot say it's not decisive in its own way 
not necessarily in a good way, I don't think, but 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 it is certainly decisive. So imagine when you you know when you they they put the apply for this job post up on whatever board on the Guardian or whatever mm. for the Argent coach's job, and you and they say you know at that level you should really be phoning up the owner to find out what the situation is. You know, so what happened to your last coaching team then? Oh, I sacked him. Seventy eighth minute of a game, we were getting battered in. <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, uh, yeah, I might apply. I'll have to have a think. I'll have to think about it. <laughs> I'm going to take a really, really, really close look at the contract to check out what the severance package is, and then maybe we'll talk. Yeah, because here's the thing. I mean, why would you want the job if that's what? It's it's got significant Flavio Briatore at Q A Q P R vibes going on. Big style. Massive style. <laughs> Any more news? Uh, I mean, Gatlin said that Rob Howley isn't going to be involved with the Lions this time around, which is not shocking, really, let's be honest. He's coaching Canada now. The headlines were, um, he said something about it would be difficult. Mm. And of course, that makes you read, so he does his job. But actually, what he was saying was quite straightforward. He said, you know, I respect Rob. I respect him as a coach. I think he's really, really great. However, we can't have the entire tour with me answering quest- him or me answering questions about all of that stuff. Exactly two- not. When we've got, like, to get a job done in the space of about four weeks, you know. It's, it's, it would be, it's like the most ungatling thing imaginable for him to get somebody who is <laughs> a massive fucking distraction into what will need to be the most distraction-free environment imaginable. Save not an really absolute news. fortune on full-fat coke as well, if Rob's not alongside. Uh, 100%, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, you know, you've got that sugar tax to worry about. You have, yeah. Yeah. Any more news, or is that it? Uh, yeah, I think that's about it, really, yeah. Shall we talk about what it did happen at the weekend? <sighs> I mean, yeah. I suppose we have to, don't we? That's what we're here for, technically. It is what three, we're here for, technically. Three quite shit games, if I'm brutally honest. I quite enjoyed the France-Ireland game. I enjoyed it, I enjoyed it parts of the, France game, of the Italy game because Italy gave it a good go for at least half an hour of it. Um, I did not enjoy Wales versus Scotland. But I, no. I, I probably enjoyed the last 15 minutes of Scotland playing. I admired it quite a bit. Yeah, there was plenty. There was, there was some to admire... In all the games, but I just I found Ireland France irritating because it should have just like neither team seemed to realise that they just needed to give it a go and they'd win the Six Nations. I wrote that in my preamble. Really I said fucked me off. the good thing about this is that one of them at least is going to go for like the clappers from the offie, and it never quite happened. So no, it it looked like it was just like again it felt like a fucking training match. Like Ireland, just, literally all Ireland needed to do was win that game. By like seven points or whatever it was. In the Six end. points if they scored a try, yeah. Yeah. And they just couldn't be fucking, like, from the off, they looked like they were trying their best not to lose. I think um, I wrote at half time in that game. We're doing this game first, aren't we, I suppose. I wrote yeah. at half time in that game that um, Ireland have. I should realise now why, why they lost, because I wrote at half time that they've got this and they should win it quite easily because. <laughs> They had like sixty-eight percent territory in possession in the first half, even though they were losing. They were like yeah. they were doing all the structured stuff. It was yeah. Sexton was making some poor decisions about what to do with penalties, but because they'd already got the tries, so it was just like, well, why don't you just keep chipping? It? And actually, I could see why. Yeah, all they I, I, was I, chip away at it. I could understand why it wasn't because they didn't need to be that exciting, did they? 
They could have spent, but it, that was all contingent on them cont- continuing to do what they did in that first 40 minutes. Yeah, and I think the reality, and France, you know, France, there was no excuse for the level of meh that France threw because the, all they should have been doing was fucking throwing it around all over the place from minute one. Because they needed a bonus point and they needed a big win. However, and it was on it was on the fucking cards at one point in the second half, and they just didn't. However, though, I think there's something. If you take that the France squad is on a journey, and this has been fucking done is, to death, yeah. this. But actually, them saying we'll just win this game by playing rugby that looks like rugby, yeah, that's and we won't true. win the championship. But actually, we'll learn how to play a game of rugby. Yeah, and I get it. I just I'm unsatisfied by it because I understand I want, that as well. I want I yeah. wanted a grandstand finish, and what we got was two teams sort of. I think after the games that had gone before it as minute. well. That was the other yeah. thing. You're like, oh come it on, was really just fucking give us something. Them, just give us something good, and like, yeah, and you're completely right. You know, France are on a journey. France, I looked. France actually conceded more points per game under Edwards than they did last year. Which, <laughs> Which is mad. Doesn't feel that way, does it? No, no it doesn't. But it just imagine how good they'll be on the Well, the points difference is appalling, really actually. Yeah, in. it's a good point. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, that they're, they're going somewhere that everybody else should be very worried about. But I just thought there was an opportunity for it to be an old school France game there <laughs> and them to give in to their batshit instincts. And they just didn't. And I feel cheated as a rugby fan. <laughs> They, um, although I completely understand why they didn't give a shit about that and just played a game of rugby. Honestly, yeah. that second half that they played was probably the best half of rugby I can remember France played for a very, very long time. Oh, it was exceptionally professional. Such exceptionally a good, good. And then you sprinkle in the fucking fairy dust Absolute, at halfback, yeah. both halfbacks, and it becomes was, a different thing I think thing that altogether. was the thing that wound me up, was that there was a sense that they could score whenever they really wanted to. Like, there was enough about them, and Ireland was so lacklustre in that second half that if they'd have put another 20% effort in, they might have won that game with enough points to win the title. And I, and I know and you're quite right that they're on a journey, blah, blah, blah. But It's like, boring, though, isn't it? Well, yeah. well, it's not just that it's boring. It's just like chances to win this. Like, look, how long has it been since France last won the Six Nations? I don't know. I should know that, but I, I think it's two. Was it two thousand seven? Something was like it that? after the World Cup? Oh yeah, we might two thousand twelve. They usually win it after a, a World Cup or a Lions tour, don't they? Let's find out. Let's find out. You keep talking. I'll find out. Uh, yeah. Like this, because two thousand twelve was Wales, wasn't it? Of course it was. I don't think France have won it since like two thousand ten. Let's have a look. Um, but while I'm looking, I'll keep waffling on. Um. Yeah, there's. It doesn't come around very often that you get the opportunity to win the Six Nations, and especially given where we are. Yeah, France haven't won it since two thousand ten. Right. So, a decade long absence, which is the longest. It was after gone the World a, Cup, then. That's what I'm getting. <laughs> but like really. they've yeah. they've gone, you know, that's the longest France have gone without winning anything for the best part of thirty years. You have to go all the way back to more than that, actually. Fuck me. The last yeah, they, time they were winning it every couple of years or so. They, they, they had, they had a, France, like a three-year fallow win, period. France though. win it every three to five years and have done all the way back. The last time that France went more than like five years without winning a title was, was, the 19, war. was between 1947, 
Sorry, was, was the first time they won it. Was the first time they they won it for the first time in 1954, and ever since then they've won it at least once or twice a decade ever since until 2010. So this is the longest time in their history that they've gone without winning the Six Nations, and it was absolutely fucking there for them. And you know, I get it. And I, I respect why they have a process and why they're going to, you know, to go on to bigger and better things. And they very way, they may very well win it next year. They might not. England are a very good team. Mm. Ireland could become a very good team. Scotland are a growing team. Like, there's no fucking surety in this world. When you've got it, your destiny in your own hands on the final day to win the Six Nations and you sort of half arse it, I don't know. I just think that's a massive fuck up. Yeah, well, I wouldn't put it... No, that's too strong a word that I would use. I wish they'd gone for it a bit more. But then again, I do think that the coaches would have taken more from them not doing that. So, And I enjoy. I did genuinely kind of enjoy that game. It wasn't a fucking... It's all, I absolutely enjoyed it, but I can understand your point about relatively not enjoying it because relatively... It was fine. Speaking, it was the best game would, of the day. Yeah, it was. And it was the most competent game of the day. And two of the most competent performance. Well, you know, Ireland in the second half, maybe. I don't know. It was, it was fine, but super fucking Sunday or whatever, super Saturday. <laughs> I, I I expect a little bit more than that, you know? But this is probably marketing this way because teams are just going to play the game they want to play, aren't they? They don't give a shit about your superness. 100%, yeah, true. The, the problem is that we had that one super Saturday we where, did, everybody, <laughs> where everyone went mad. And ever since then, oh, everyone's what a day that got... Was. Remember that? Everyone's you could got, go to the pub. It was all insane. Oh. Such a good day. But ever since then, there's been a sort of, ooh, Super Saturday. When was the last time Super Saturday was good and meant something? Was it then? <laughs> Feels like then. But I, I think, I've forgotten everything since before I mean, March, so. I'm prepared to absolutely be proven wrong there because I completely, I, I've forgotten about everything that's happened since, yeah, since ever. But I just... I genuinely don't know if I'm, Super Saturday's ever been good since. I'm still quite worried about France's front row, is what I would say. Uh, I think they've got two of the better hookers in the tournament. Yeah, the props don't seem... I'm not overly convinced. No. They're quite young now. Bamba's quite young, isn't he? Yeah, I think the props will get better, but I do think they they could really do with a couple of props in their early 30s who are horrible yes. and nasty that they can You add uh, Thomas Domingo and on. Christian Califano to oh. that team. That is fucking all it's, over. It's, yeah, but that is kind of what they're missing in a way is they could really do with like some old camp like an old campaigner up front to be a kind of a steadying force to this cuz I, I feel like you know while they've scrummaged well in this tournament I feel like they are due getting turned over by somebody bigger and nastier and more wily than them. And, you know, I respect that. But yeah, you look at their props and their props, the ages of their five props are 27, 22, 22, 21, 26. Maybe I mean, I'm not so worried then. 
<laughs> I shouldn't worry so much. Give it another they couple could, of years. They could, they'll be fine in a couple of years. Until then, I agree with you. I, I am a bit concerned. On the flip side, I'd like them to have a little bit more youth and energy in the second row, where I think, you know, they've got two 30-year-olds in there, in LaRue and uh, Taufinua, who are fine, but... Where's that getting... massive... Um... I can't remember his name now. That massive red-haired one gone. Oh, um, oh, what's his fucking name? I can't remember his name either. Oh, I tell you what, what a broader rugby podcast we are. <laughs> uh, I can't remember his name either. Did he play that guy though? I think he's that injured guy. anyway. Is he injured? He's not in the current squad. But yeah, obviously, once you get into the back row, the scrum off, the fly offs, the wings, the centres, the full backs. Absolutely fucking fine. There's not a the, the the only thing that I'd be worried about is occasionally somebody might do something silly like pick Teddy Tomer. And I understand why you'd do that, but that's like the the silliest it gets. Otherwise, it's all very sensible and professional and composed and excellent. Was, what's happened to France, man? But yeah, it is. It is composed. Excellent. But, but then they would still do some quite geniuses. lovely stuff. That that yeah. that chip over the top from and Tamak when he spotted there was no Bobby running oh, in behind beautiful. and stuff. Lovely, and just also just he like glided and caught it, and then just like in all the time in the world just pop. I mean, I know it's it, you know it's an easier thing for a professional rugby player to do, but it's still just lovely, lovely, lovely. <laughs> Once he caught the ball, it was an easy finish, wasn't it? But and it is worth remembering that. Antimac is 21 years old and Dupont is 23 and Vincent is 21 and also and Ressier is 23 and is, you know is Gail Ficou good in any position he plays in now? That's the biggest so, revolution yeah. of this new France <laughs> honestly, isn't it? Honestly how the fuck is Ficou not in Ficou's not player in the player tournament? No he's not no that's an absolute fucking. But they've tragedy. already got three French people in there, to be fair. <laughs> but, um... but yeah, but like, how the ever living fuck does like Vakatawa's in there, isn't he? No, is he not? No. Oh, fair I, enough then. I think he's. I mean, fair, fair enough. Fair enough for Olivon scoring all the tries, and you, it would be hard to look past Antimac and Dupont. But fucking hell, Fiku has been brilliant in this tournament, playing two positions to a world class level, which is just something that. Nobody ever thought we'd be saying. Nobody, no, we gen- I don't think any of us thought that this would be the way his career would go. Despite the fact that he's up. now got, I think, 122 caps. Nobody ever thought that it would be that way. <laughs> At the age of 28, whatever old he is. Let's think, he's only got 56 caps and he's 26. Like, he's the same, I think he's the same age as George North and he's got 50 less caps. Or he's got 40-something less caps. What was the score with George North on the weekend, by the way? Uh, dropped on form, which now seems silly given how everybody else went. Also, the fact that every time he got the ball against France the week before, he looked... He looked really good. ...the most informed player in the back. Yep. So, okay. Uh, yeah, there was... Uh, he, uh, Wayne Pivak said some bollocks, basically, about him not being in form, which I just don't believe, um, <laughs> because he he was in form. Oh, sorry, he's two years younger than George North. Fair play to him. But he's still got 40-odd less caps than him, which he's not going to get in the next two years. He's, um, he's a remarkable. Like in terms of like a sort of comeback story, I think Fiku might be the best comeback story of international player. But he never went away. 
No, but he was sort of just there, <laughs> wasn't he? Was, he was there gathering 50 half, half a century of caps. Never go, what the fuck's he still doing there? <laughs> it's the best story of perseverance, really. Or whether we just all weren't noticing that he was just better than we thought he was. I think it was that relative thing, wasn't it? That he did come through with, in such a blaze of light. He came through extremely hyped. And he was very good at the start and he scored that try against England. But I do feel like he lost. He did definitely lose his way for a while. Mm. So I think he was, they were trying to make him into something that he wasn't. And as you say, he probably more than anything just needed somebody to tell him that he's fucking shit hot all the time. He's, he's, a, he's, he's Sean Edwards' new Ian Goff when he plays in the backs. Because <laughs> he's, he's always going to have an Ian Goff. And, he? he's got, and he's got a lovely touch. And a lot, just a, he does everything well. I just I really enjoy watching him play. Yeah. Um, what about? I'll spare your pain. I mean, you should save that to the end because I mean, it's gonna it's gonna take a while. What do you think about so. Ireland? Um, the question, the main, my main takeaway from the Ireland thing was there's a question over whether Jonathan Sexton should be. Ireland starting 10, I think, that is a discussion worth having. However, I don't think there's much of a discussion left about whether he should be captain. Mm. Because he's just not fucking good at it. Like, the pe- the way that he came off and petulantly fucking threw his toys out of the pram when he got substituted, and then when asked about it later on, basically just sort of shrugged his shoulders like a teenager and go, well, what else was I supposed to do? I was supposed to be happy about it, was I? <laughs> <laughs> He but did, with an Irish accent. He pulled a Mike Brown. As we he like to really say. did. And it's like, it's fair enough, you're allowed to be annoyed when you're substituted, but not if you're the fucking captain. Not if you're the most experienced fucking player on the park. You're supposed to have a bit of fucking humility and professionalism about it. And, like, I just, that's just the straw for me. Like, the reality is. He also, over the last he... year, he's been shit. Yeah, I'm not sure he. Um... He got their heads in the right place during that game as well, either because some of his no. decision making on penalties wasn't great. Well, the cap- and there's the something about two jobs, and people stand it? there, don't they? And think, well, what are you doing now? And people, are, and then you see him like losing his shit a bit, which when it's going well, they probably think is very inspiring. Yeah, you know, yeah, and all yeah, that. yeah. Whereas actually, when it's like, well, you seem to have fucking lost all your shit now, and I don't feel <laughs> you I, you're you making me feel uncomfortable, it. Johnny. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the thing: the captain's got two. You know, as much as all the sort of forgetting all the off-field stuff for a minute, like. The captain's job when he's on the pitch is to influence the ref and to make good decisions regarding kicking for the corner, taking the scrum, or kicking the points. And he has done both terribly for the last year. Like <laughs> yeah, refs, yeah. refs more often than not are just annoyed by his constant whinging and shouting and carping. It's exactly the same reason that Dan Bigger's not, you know, not captain material because he's much more likely to piss them off with his whinging than he is get them on side. And as you say, he's just consistently made bad decisions about when to go to the corner and when to kick the points, and it's cost Ireland games, and it's cost Ireland wins. But the problem is there's not that many candidates to take over. James Ryan's next off the rank, isn't he? But it's that great player. He's like seven years old, though. And, And do you really want to fucking put that on him when he's got, you know, under 50 caps? And... It's it's kind of weird actually when you think about it. Like since Bods and O'Connell retired, like there's been this weird void of leadership 
in the Irish team. Well, you remember when Best got made captain? Mm. It was literally because but they the voted. Irish, didn't they? they they voted it because they couldn't think of an outstanding candidate <laughs> to be the leaders, and he just got the most votes. <laughs> and like that to me, a worrying, but like in that circumstance, you know, why not just give it this? Like this time, they just went, oh well, Sexton's the man now, and it just no. Well, clearly so, he's not. Just go to the back to the vote thing. So they're short of an international fullback. Oh, and good they're Lord, short they of a captain. Oh. You know where we're going with this, don't you? The future's bright. The future's <laughs> puffing. The future's Dave Carney. <laughs> See, I thought you were going to suggest bringing Simon Zebo back as captain and fullback. Oh, that still I'm works. Absolute, that works. I'm absolutely yeah. here for that. I'd fucking do. But even though he's blocked like, me, I could I could live with that. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's probably a sign that he's a balanced individual. You know? <laughs> yes, exactly. I should be blocked. That shows he's got a bit of sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I mean, honestly, just give it to CJ Stander. You might as well. Like, he's the most. He's the person who most passes the sight test as far as the future captain goes. And he's probably going to do it. Well, and he is even when Levy's he's back. Always, he's still going to be playing, isn't he? And he's a, and he's never worse than a six and a half out of ten. No, like he's always tidy enough, and he never, he rarely does something stupid, and he's keeping it. He, I completely agree. He's probably keeping it warm for James Ryan, but he's twenty eight, so like, yeah, let him have it for the, two or three um, years. I think Arna struggled that second half because he couldn't. I mean, the line out just completely fell apart. So they oh, just, it's they, terrible. They couldn't keep hold of the ball, could they? Because when they did have the ball, every time Bundyaki got it, he calls fucking havoc, and I don't mean that in a really obvious way. I mean that that no. defense. That what some like industrial defence havoc, them. yeah, yeah, just, and splints them just, just, and I mean splintered, like throwing the ball too hard at a bit of wood, splinters <laughs> it enough that it, it breaks, you know, it breaks the structure yeah. of it, but it doesn't Bundy, smash it to pieces. It breaks the structure of it, then you can Bundy go again. Is you know, a unique player in that sense, in that he just, he's such a like, even at test level, his the. the the angriness with which he runs and the power with which he runs. Uh, such a short, like with very little start, he will just run into people and they will subtle fall. changes of directions as well. He's thing, just he's enough not, to he, put put him he, on a weak shoulder, yeah. you know. He know he knows what to run at, and good lord, he runs at it hard. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it's. I don't understand why Ireland aren't making any much more of that, to be honest, because he's effectively, you know. Manu Tuilagi, in terms of his ability to break a defensive line in that sort of fairly unique way that he runs with power. And it, I just don't feel Ireland use it that well. They certainly didn't on the weekend. They anyway. were in the first half. That's true. Yeah, he, had about, yeah. he had about three or four carries. And even in the beginning of the second half, he put one in. And I thought, they just keep doing this. They're going to be fine because France will infringe. Because they were, and I don't mean that they weren't. Being, they just will. Well, yeah, you know, they will. Just, you, you have to make a. Yeah. And it wasn't the breakdown. They were. They were off. They were offside on the defensive line. I think that overeager Edwards defense, which plays on the edge, and they're not. You know. Hmm. Yeah. So it's just. Um, yeah, an interesting one for Ireland. It's. Um, but I don't think Keenan was good. I think I they're still like they still they're still a good team. Yeah. You know, in spite of all this, they had a bad game. And they've got big problems. Well, for 55 minutes, they were pretty good, even though they were th- three points behind at half-time, whatever it was. You know. I, but I think that's the, the problem with them, is that for 55 minutes, with the setup that they've got at the moment, they will be good. But then there will be a moment where things seem to go wrong. And a lot of it seems to down to kind of personnel. 
and sort of worrying if I'm wondering. <laughs> there's, a, there's quite a few players on that park that feel like they have a mistake in them, <laughs> you know? And it's poor. I mean, he's not a fucking fo- a fullback. Bless well, let me him, say this but... about Jacob Stockdale, right? In nobody's definition is he an international fullback now. No. Now, he he's a talented be. lad, so I'm not saying he can't ever be one. I'm just not sure if you should become an international fullback and in the full glare of international rugby, which sounds a silly <laughs> thing to say. I don't know why. I know he has been, he's been playing fullback a bit more at Ulster, hasn't he? I don't know why the IRFU aren't saying to, to Ulster, play him at fullback for the next 12 months. I think they basically have. Have they? And I think that, yeah, there's a a definite vibe that there's he's there for yeah. basically Farrell's staked his reputation on it of just like he is going to be our fullback now I wouldn't be and frightened of chucking Keenan in there to be honest he looks either. quite he looks a class out of that lad to be honest like, I think Stockdale when Stockdale was in his pomp before he had a silly haircut and then a silly beard you know he genuinely looked like one of the best young wingers in the world and I don't and I get Ireland have got a lot of good wingers but I just don't know why you'd fuck with that. It's, it's exactly the same reason when they started fucking talking about moving George North to 13. And it's like, well, when George North is fit and firing, George North's one of the best wingers in the world. Yeah. Why would you fuck with that? Stop pretending that wing isn't a specific position that you need to be good at. There's another thing people yeah. like to say, well, he could have made those mistakes of not catching the ball on the wing. It's like, yeah, well, one, he probably wouldn't have been peppered as much. Two, no. the difference about with the wing is if you, if you don't... If you don't hold the ball there, you have you, the touchline as a defender. It's automatically you're not in, you're not losing the ball in positions that are more that, that have a, a big open and blind side and stuff like that. I know it sounds like quite a strange thing, but it it is different. Yeah, exactly, and it's it's I just I just don't understand it. There's there's got to be a better option. And if he spends his whole game him... thinking, "Oh fucking hell, they're going to kick the ball straight out of again," the vibe. he then he then he then vibe. won't do what he really is capable of doing at fullback, which yeah. is arriving at the line and doing all those things he's brilliant yeah. at. As an attacking force, he looks genuinely excellent coming from fullback because that's what happens when you give a winger loads of fucking time and space to pick their gap to run through. But like, yeah, I, just, I hope it, it's always just... Henshaw's try. By the way. One of the weirdest tries ever. <laughs> it looked like ones they used to score just, at high school. There was always one yeah, man at high school. He'd run. Just, just runs diagonally. Run laterally across the line. Yeah, and the whole time he's people going, him. run forward, run yeah. forward. And then, just, and then he just went round the outside and scored. Very bizarre. Very bizarre. It's just a strange... Somebody get him banged. He was going to run across <laughs> the line, step out and bang him. Yeah, it's that kind of thing, isn't it? Uh, yeah, so anyway, that's that game. Yeah. We look forward to see what happens with France and we look forward to Johnny Sexton not being captain anymore. But we'll yeah. see. Yeah, and maybe that will make, make him a better 10 again. I think it probably will. Yeah. Uh, what else you got then? Well, England, Italy. Yeah. Italy I would code, be, if I was Eddie Jones, right, I would be concerned at how easy it was for Italy to get under England's skin in a really noticeable way. Like Really odd, wasn't it? Eng- England got walked into that stadium under no doubt in a million bajillion. They've never lost to Italy. And they knew when they stepped on that field that nothing Italy was going to do at any point on Saturday was ultimately going to trouble that team. Mm. And they should know this. And yet all it took was Italy winning a couple of turnovers 
forcing a couple of mistakes and then celebrating them in a very over-the-top, overtly <laughs> England style. And all of a sudden, it's not just Tom Curry's hair that makes him look like a preppy bad guy in a high school movie. He was just losing his cool all over the gaff. He was just like... They're still fuming the about that just... whole fucking tackle thing from Twickenham, aren't they? Clearly, can't get over it. <laughs> I think that was the thing. As soon as like they won a couple of turnovers, like th- there was this sort of weird fear that came, that sort of bubbled up, that they were not going to go quietly. And all of a sudden, they just they got. It was like lads, you were never in anywhere in any danger of not winning this game at a boat with a bonus point. There was no way on earth it wasn't going to happen. It's funny because rugby's an aggressive game, isn't it? And you have to. But when you define your entire way of playing, which involves whooping and clapping and being fucking fuming the whole time, because <laughs> I'm sure they'd have achieved more if if somebody would have just laughed at Italy as they were throwing all the shit and just going, look at the fucking yeah. scoreboard, lads, and this is going to yeah. get a lot worse for you. Just, just you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's bizarre. It was so they did what weird. They needed to do. I mean, yeah, was, the job done. You know, Ben Young scored a couple. It's against Italy. None of it counts, really. He played all no. right. He played all right, you know. It was fine. They kicked the ball a lot, and some people are criticising for that, but it's like, that's 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 how you... Win against an inferior team. I'm fucking loving another example of Garbisi's mad dummy and shit, though. Do you see that? Oh, in yes. There? Oh, yes. <laughs> Who was it he completely sent downtown, was it? I remember, but he... he was it Furbank, clearly, I think? It was somebody think really been, yeah. fucking through, just... just. Or was it one of the forwards? Either way, it was fucking brilliant. It was the most comedy... <laughs> um, Honestly, dummy if, you've ever if seen. all this guy's career is going to be is... Sort of, you know, I mean, to be fair to him, he looks the part. He's he 20, like, he's played about he's, five senior games, including yeah, two and internationals. He, and he looks fine. Yeah. But I, if that's his, you know, if all his thing is being a sort of perfectly decent test level outside off, and then once again just throwing an outrageous dummy, absolutely here for it. <laughs> yeah, because they're not going to win Italy. You want something to look forward to when they play, don't yeah. you? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> it's, t- it's, it's ten to dummy. Yeah, I, you know, I thought they played, you know, for with for a given value of well, they committed themselves to their task very well. Italy, they they got and they did exactly what they wanted to do, which is fucking stick it up them and ruffle a few feathers. And they, I think, they're quite right to be pleased about that. And the they scored a couple of tries. Of, uh... The caravan of Carlo Canna's competence uh, continues, doesn't it? Continues on. I mean, is he the other, the, the sort of other side of the great rugby comeback stories? Carlo Canna <laughs> going from world's least convincing ten to perfectly acceptable ball playing twelve. That they bafflingly run up, you know, crash ball for some reason quite often when <laughs> there's absolutely no reason to say that. <laughs> Yeah, they call it they call, they call a crash ball pop to him, and he's like, "Oh, seriously, come on!" <laughs> and he runs. To be fair to him, he runs hard, and he runs. But he's—I mean, he's not Jamie Roberts, is he? He's no. not Bundyaki. He's not. I mean, he's he fucking not. gives it all, though, doesn't he? Fair he really does. He, he gives it his all, and I think that's. He also has to put up with fucking Garbisi throwing every kick off to him under pressure <laughs> by about nine defenders. <laughs> What's that about? Because yeah, Garbisi can quite clearly kick. It's yeah. so odd. It's like, why are you He just doing doesn't that? want to. Like, it's got to be a strategy thing. But, I mean, yeah. Do you ever want to see that period of playing Andrea Mazzi at 10 and he couldn't oh, kick? Oh, Lord, I do. 
And <laughs> this is the thing that I genuinely think, you know, it's a people are talking, you know, and it's mainly casual fans that say this sort of shit about how Italy haven't improved and Italy are, you know, just as shit as they ever were. You know, they're not. They're <laughs> absolute. They might still be losing heavily to most teams. But they are absolutely a much better team than they used to be, and they've got much more talented players than they used to be, and they've got you know their their club sides are decent now. You know it's <laughs> Italian rugby is coming on just very slowly. We have to remember that they came into a tournament with the five oldest rugby playing nations in the world from a basically standing start twenty years ago, and they're always going to be playing catch up from that regard. The um. Remember before the first game, the game against um, Ireland, the Wales game. <laughs> no, no, I'm, I'm just gonna say about Italy. The game oh, yeah, against yeah. Ireland last week, when they, they interviewed Franco Smith before and said, um, "What have we doing a lot down then?" He said, "Well, I've had the chance to reflect on the playing staff we have and go all around the country looking at all the things we have available to us." And that was, "Yeah, you're not fucking smiling, mate. I understand why." <laughs> you know, what, what, do you, what do you do with the other five and a half months of lockdown, mate? <laughs> yeah. Yes, indeed. <laughs> I found a twenty-year-old fry half who's starting today. <laughs> Other than that, I had some nice food in a garage. <laughs> uh, and he has learned all about how they have pizza slightly different in different parts of Italy. So it wasn't totally a wasted trip, you know. I mean, no such thing like... as Italian food, as Italians will tell you, because every region is different. And they all also, hate each other's food. I, I, I'm talking about the fact that anyone plays rugby in southern Italy. Come off it. Come on. What am I talking about? Uh, but yeah, you know, I, I think they're... I, I wouldn't bet against Italy beating Wales next year in the Six Nations, to be brutally honest with you. <laughs> I don't think we can reflect that as an accurate piece of analysis to move during. But yeah, it's uh, the... <laughs> I do genuinely... I looked at that game, a half an hour of that game on Saturday, and I thought, you know what? This looks like they could do something in the next I five agree. years. I agree, I completely It won't, they'll still finish bottom. They're going to win the Six Nations. They'll still finish bottom most years. They could get a scalp or two. But it won't be a kind of really depressing fucking couple of hours, which it has been too often. No, the I think the, the sort of guaranteed Italy bonus point, let's run up the score thing, might not be as, you know, and that's progress as far as I'm concerned. You know, and as far as anyone should be concerned, that's the, them getting better incrementally is all we can really ask of them and there is no one else so people stop talking (laughs) about this relegation thing georgia are fucking bobbins yeah look what scotland did to them last week they're just shite you know they're entertaining enough at times but they're just crap you know yeah they have a good pack although quite a few of those that pack is now retired and they keep shooting each other yeah you know you know, if if South Africa want to join the Six Nations, there's a convers there then there's, there's a, a conversation com- to be there's had. a conversation to be had with Italy. Can I have a word, please? Yeah. <laughs> Look. Oh shit! Look, yeah. you're out. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> which, but you know, and that may well happen. But I think it's much more likely that it becomes the Seven Nations than Italy get fucking turfed out. Yeah. So, yeah, let just let them just. I don't understand why teams of other nations that beat them every year complain that they're not very good. It's like, I can understand if you're an Italian fan going, well, for fuck's sake, we've been at this for 20 years and we're still getting battered. But they don't, they seem to understand that this is going to be a long-term process. Italy are the international rugby equivalent of our There's Always Next Year feature. 100%. 
And they keep fucking showing up and they keep getting stuck in and the fans love it and they love being part of it. And it's actually, I think it is part of the fucking Six Nations yeah, experience. I completely agree with that. I don't know. I don't know. I'm just, I'm fed up of people doing Italy down all the time. Quite right too. This is only happens as Minotzi's coming to the team though, isn't it? 100%. He got fucking fairly well-tuned, <laughs> didn't he? Minotzi, Garbis, oh fucking hell. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Now that we've got Minotzi and Garbisi, like lovely, who's what's how is they not everyone's second team? They're adorable. I like that. Um, how old's Violi? That scrum half. He looks pretty handy. He looks quite He's, nice. Yeah, well. yeah, he does. And you know, it's this platform there. There's shoots of you know, it's not fucking Dupont and Intermac. Don't get me wrong, but like, there's a platform there for something interesting. He's 27, Violi. Fair dues. He'll be around another yeah. five years. If he's yeah, yeah, easy. Anyway, people don't talk about Will Rowlands as being some sort of exciting <laughs> fucking player when he's 29 years old. Then, yeah. Which brings us to, you've put it off long enough. Yeah. He's feeling fully uplifted. Yeah. Well, it turns <laughs> out, right, Scotland were arguing for years about what kind of 10 they needed. When in reality, they didn't need any 10. All they needed was, <laughs> all they needed was a pack of forwards. Yes. Like all, all, all this story Sc- in the world. <laughs> all those Scotland fans calling Gatland a cunt for trying out Stuart Hogg at 10 for the Lions in 2013. Turns out, who's fucking right all along, eh? <laughs> Once, another example of Gatland being right. Yeah. Um, uh, other than that, Scott, I genuinely don't think Scotland were very good on the weekend. I don't want to sound bitter, but I, think Italy, <laughs> I genuinely think Italy would have beaten that fucking mob. Uh, the Wales team. With, the, the, I'm, I'm loath to even call them a Wales team, to be honest. But... Um, but they try. They contrived for the best part of seventy minutes to not make their obvious advantages count against a terrible team. But the difference is that in years past they'd have lost that game. But when the the second that they when they had to close out that game, they just leaned on this really fucking good pack that they've got now. And they particularly were, they were in the back, the back row, all game. they were winning the all breakdown game. Yeah, all game. They were, they were hunt. They were head and shoulders better than Wales in every facet of the game, and the only, the only part of the game that they really struggled with, and you know, fair play, the conditions were fucking wretched. But good, they didn't let their obvious dominance show up in the try chart. You know, if they'd have scored a couple of tries, they probably could have scored thirty. They probably almost certainly would have scored about 30, 40 points. As it was, it was tense enough that they had to dig in in the last 15 minutes. And they did so with such unfussed ease. And there was you something know, kind of nuggety about it. Which 100%. I liked, yeah. Which I liked. And I, think, and I think that's what they've needed, that point about... And, you know, in that in that weather, when you need your 10 to run the game for you, then you lose fucking both of them. And then you've got to put Hog in there. And then... And to be fair, Ali Price stepped right up. Ali Price, honestly, was fucking brilliant. Yeah, honestly, like, that last 20 minutes was one of the... It was just brilliant. He was yeah. like, right, I'm taking charge of this now. 100%. He spent the entire last 20 minutes shouting at his forwards. And, yeah. and then hitting was, those lovely angled driven kicks and said, yeah. play from there then. Kept, put, kept putting them back inside the 22. And it was exactly yeah. what it needed. And the, the remarkable thing about this Scottish pack is it's not dramatically different to the one that they've had for the last three or four years. And... The bench is different, personal. Though, isn't it? The bench, the bench is made different. such a difference when it came on. It was like it just everything. It, I'm not saying anything got better, but the likes of Kebble coming yeah. on, McAnally coming on. Well, it just shows. It, it demonstrates that 
they, you know, particularly with the likes of Kebble, as we've said in the past, there's no better union in the world than the SRU <laughs> identifying sort of talent that they could poach yeah. from other nations and bringing them in. And, and, and that's I, not I, Danny with saying praise. Fucking, that's fucking it's brilliant. Not. They yeah. genuinely are the best. You look at the play, you know, Duran coming in, you know, coming off the bench as, as, and bringing that physical, well. yeah, you, know, yeah, yeah. You, you know, totally different physical proposition to what Wales had had to deal with for the first 60-odd minutes. And that's, yeah, that's entirely to the SIU's credit. I think it's incredibly admirable what they do, and entirely sensible. And it, to be honest with you, fucking boils my piss that Wales, since Granny Gate, have basically been terrified of doing the same. And don't go looking for these players that can help the team. You know, so, when you've got such a small player pool, that's what you have to do. And they do it better than anybody else. And then I just think that, well, if Scotland play with their forwards and with Ali Price, mm-hmm. like they did that last 20, 30 minutes of that game, and then add on the other stuff they could do when everyone's still whole and on the field, mm. and then you maybe bringing Van der Merwer in as well onto the wing, that's just going to be, that's a really decent prospect. Actually, I'm fairly... I'm not quite as depressed about Wales as you are. So, but looking at looking at next year, oh, we'll, assuming we'll the world we'll next, next year's next next year's um, tournament, which I think starts in about three weeks. The, uh, the yes, it does. But it, you know, when that starts, there's generally some like everything you've just said about Italy. Ireland under Farrell should get a little bit. It'll keep going. England have got an interesting couple of years coming up with some of the young people there, young players they're bringing through. Mm. Scotland looking like I think it's going to be a really exciting two or three years, really. I think, yeah. You don't think that, obviously, because you think you're no. going to watch Wales lose for the next three years. Well, yeah, I absolutely am. Yeah, Wales are <laughs> going to be the worst team in the Six Nations next year. I fucking guarantee it. But, um, <laughs> yeah, you know, there's no reason. I feel like we've been saying this for the last two or three years, unfortunately. Um, but I do think that Scotland are learning how to win in the same way that we were talking about France learning how to win, but in a, you know, from a less kind of advanced situation you know they're in a less advanced position than France are but I think that there's absolutely a a situation that you can look at the table next year and they're definitely duking it out for with England and France at the top of it I don't see why not mm. they've got the pack for it they can keep it it's always the <laughs> I, I, I'm loath to even say it because Scotland fans fucking wince when I do but it's just a case of keeping everybody fit you know They've had such bad luck with their forwards getting injured over the last four or five years. And this year, you know, was the first year where broadly most people have been fit most of the time. Mm. And it's made a fucking massive difference. It really has. And there's nothing you do about people getting injured, is there? No, you've got, least- a, you've got to develop depth. And that is, you know, with Scotland's small player base and only having two pro teams, that's always going to be a problem in terms of, of depth. But it is getting better. If that squad stays as it is that we played on Saturday, when it's not fucking blowing a gale, then uh, and pissing it down, then. But that's how they, that's how where they'll how they'll play all of their home games. So it's good that they managed to kind of <laughs> to turn. Do you think the way they kept banging on about the fucking conditions, like nobody had seen Northern Europe in October before? It was like Jesus <laughs> Christ! It was like, come on. Yeah, we get it. It's a bit blowy and windy. There was no excuse for how bad both teams played. <laughs> genuinely like I get it the wind's swirling a bit you've all played in conditions where the wind has swirled how can nobody throw a fucking line out playing 
I don't think I don't think you can just I don't think I wouldn't describe Scotland as having played badly. Actually, I think it was stuttering, and I do think they lost the two. You, you, they lost two tens and had to improvise yeah. it. You know, so I've got more sympathy for that. But speaking of playing badly, come on, let's unload the full motherload, and I can All tell right. you it's not that bad, and you won't believe me. And we can move on. Well, it is that bad because Wayne Pivak doesn't understand how to coach a test team, and I, at this rate, I don't think he's he might be out of a job before he understands it because. <laughs> I genuinely think, right, not counting the shit experimental games against Samoa in the autumn where Warren Gatlin would throw a team of total strangers and rookies out there, right, I genuinely think that's probably the worst Wales performance in 20 years. I think that's sort of 2003-era level bad, well, pre-2003-era level bad. What year did you get absolutely spanked in Dublin? Was that 2016? Ah, yeah, maybe that one. Uh, That was... I still think that was a better performance than this. <laughs> I've never seen a game where literally every single facet of the game was shit when it was a full Did strength friend team. Friend of the pod, Sam Lana, points out that the two, was it Minotzi and somebody else for Italy carried for more metres than all of the Welsh team yeah. put together? And like, they, they carried for under 200 metres as a team. And... You know, it's people can talk about how the defence was better, and it was, but that was mainly seen to be down to having a somebody playing twelve who isn't, as previously discussed, a constant ball of chaotic energy, whether on attack or defence, and the fact that Scotland did attack were broadly quite shit because they lost both their fly-offs. Like every time Scotland managed to get the ball out into those wide channels again. You know, it was only bad execution on Scotland's part that it didn't end up in a couple of tries. Can we just add the caveat to all this that we have to add to everything? Asterisk, except Taolupe. Well, obviously, <laughs> he was proper fucking Sergio-level. Fuck it, I'll do it myself on the weekend. A shining light he, of he looked, he looked to his left and his right game. on the back row, and he said, well, there's a child to my left, and there is a man that has no business playing international rugby on my right. So, well, I guess I'll just have to... Honestly, every facet of the game was an embarrassing... Like, not just bad, I thought Shane Lewis had a pretty decent game. He was, game really, in like, he was the actually. only bright spark in that. He, 20 he was odd tackles. really amongst he was, it. He and, was yeah. as advertised as a... Yeah. Bl- <laughs> yeah. If you, if you, what you want in a... Bl- you know, maybe the, the, it's changed, but what I want in my blindside flanker is to go out there and tackle every fucking thing that moves and hit every yeah. ruck. And, and fair play yeah. to him, he did that. Just get amongst it, Shane. <laughs> See you in 80 minutes. <laughs> he so. did, yeah. Um, but, you know, it was the most anemic, pathetic Wales performance this generation, certainly this generation of players has ever turned out. Like the what is breakdown... James Davis doing starting an international game of rugby, though? I mean, I Honestly, like him, you know what I mean? But really... He's, a fu- he's fun, but... In this, he's fun if you're, you know, having a fucking. He's fun if you don't know anything about rugby. Well, he's fun, yeah. He's fun in the sense that he's a character. And he's somebody fun in, the, in sense... the pub will. Do you remember when for years people say, "I tell you, you should have been manager of the England football team." Who, <laughs> Brian Clough? Oh, you do fucking surprise me. Do you know what I mean? There's a, so you, there's it, that it's kind a bit of like energy. That, isn't it? yeah. There's that energy. I tell you, you, should be starting for Wales. James Davis, fuck off. No, Get away from me. James Davis is fun in the sense that A, he's a character, and B, he can yeah. be fun if you A, put him in the sevens, then he, and, and, and also get him in a lot better physical condition than he is at the moment. There's that um, as well, yeah. And honestly, for all of the talk about Wales' impressive fucking back row depth, Jesus Christ, the fact that we were... <laughs> 
one, you know, one Justin Tipperick getting a tonsillitis away from this <laughs> is just a fa- like. But like, I'm not, I'm not an analysis guy, right? But like, I honestly think that, like, Pivac is trying to execute a, a game plan with Wales that they simply do not have the personnel for, right? Like. Even I can see, right, that the way Wales's forwards are lining up now is different to what Gatland did, mm. right? And I, I'm not opposed to it because Gatland generally just had his forwards just hang around quite close to the breakdown and then run around the corner for 80 minutes. And it was quite dull to watch. Like, I, you know, yeah. none, of us, none of us particularly Sometimes did that. that under the post on attack. Yeah, <laughs> and then get a penalty away. You know. Yeah, quite often. That's not automatic. You know, it wasn't all sunshine and rainbows. That's no, their their job was basically carrying around the corner to suck in defenders, and then a big back, <laughs> be it a twelve or a winger, would smash it over the game line. But the reality is that Gatlin's Wales played like that because Wales haven't developed an explosive forward ball carrier since Scott Quinnell. And tell me, I'm wrong there. No, it's just, yeah, actually, because I mean that the kind of big a proper dynamic Billy Vudapola yeah. fucking because Salupe doesn't do that. Salupe's got Salupe a lovely footwork and he'll get yeah. you over the game line, but he's not that. Yeah, give it in. I'll yeah, Ross Moriarty people. is a good carrier. He's not mm, that. Yeah. Ken Owens is a good carrier. He's not that. Josh Navidi is a good carrier. He's not that. There's no Hamish Watson. There's no Billy Vudapola. There's no fucking. There's no big lads, and it's a weird thing. But Wales have had. Fucking Alex Cuthbert and George North and Jamie Roberts and Jonathan Davis. And so Gatland went, well, we'll just get the fucking backs to carry it over the game line then because they're the big lads. But Pivac's system clearly requires loads of big physical forwards to be the dudes. And you got to look at his Scarlet's teams and it was like Ken Owens, Rob Evans, Tug Byrne, John Barkley, Aaron Shingler when he was not broken. <laughs> like... These were the big lads that they'd require at club level to get over the line and create the platform. But if your carriers aren't powering over the gain line, it's hell of a lot of fucking harder to get over the gain line at test level, by the way. Then the forwards are so fucking spread out, and you could see it on Saturday. Everyone just gets isolated because there's like there's forwards hanging around on the wing instead of trying to fucking support the man that's just run up a blind alley and not got over the gain line. And there's a permanent hole in the middle, middle of the defence at all times. Well, of course there is. So yeah, bizarre. it's so bizarre. But like, like the defence is a bit better this week. Well, let's really. think, and that was mainly because Scotland didn't do it. But like for the last first few Wales games, right, it wasn't that obvious how badly Wales were playing the breakdown because they had Ken fit, they had Josh Navidi fit, and Ross Moriarty was fit. And those three between them can provide you with some semblance of a front football mm. from the pack. It's not brilliant, but it's enough. And it also really helped that Justin Tipperich is basically capable of being omnipotent on the rugby field and will be at every breakdown causing havoc, regardless of where it is, because he's a superhuman freak of a fucking rugby player. You take him out on Saturday, and all of a sudden somebody isn't instantly arriving at every single breakdown to fucking mm. clean out the tackle. And then instantly, you know, we got, let's, I got something like eight or nine turnovers that were penalty, eight or nine penalties on the attack. And it was all the same. It was just player runs up blind alley. The support doesn't get there in time. Jamie Ritchie or Hamish Watson just goes, I'll have the ball then. See you later. I mean, it was, uh, it was awful. It was I mean, truly appalling. It wasn't a great game of rugby at all, but they no, were particularly awful. And um, 
I think more than anything, I, you, I just keep coming away from all these games going, you've just done quite a nice piece of trying to understand what it is they're trying to do. But I keep coming away thinking, I don't know what they're doing. Uh, but then again, I don't think... For a start, it's 12 months after the World, it's, it's the 12 months after a World Cup when Wales kind of dragged themselves to a semi-final through sheer force of will and, and, and experience and Gatland. A good system. A good well. system. And then a system that maximised what they had. But is it, there's a change in the system. It's it's five or six games, really, in a fucking mad old year with the least, you know, of all the teams that are doing this, apart from Italy, which is a different kettle of fish altogether, the least amount of continuity, really, I would say. But then you look at every, they've had not a single player retire. That squad has basically been the same, if not better, than the one that Gatlin took to a World Cup semi-final. And I just, I thought it was really interesting when because they had Ken on, analysis on in the studio on Saturday. I thought, and it was interesting that he noted at half time that he felt like the players were defaulting to doing the Gatlin stuff when shit got fucking difficult. And that's difficult, isn't it? And in a way, that's what I mean. It is the kind of, it's going to take, you know, they've had five or six games. And I think, but it also, there's two ways you can look at that. They're either not getting it enough or when the shit hits the fan, they go all uh, Matt Dawson, Graham Henry, the 2001 Lions tour and go, I don't trust what you're telling me. So I won't do it. And I feel like it's the latter. I think a player, no, you know, players are not stupid modern players, they've watched enough fucking video to know when something is going to work and when something ain't. And if you tell them to, you know, that they need to create this sort of fucking fancy pod system with fucking loose forwards hanging around on the wing and and mm. they looking around the room and going, well, who the fuck's going to get the ball over the game line? You know, Alan Wynne-Jones knows that that's not going to fucking work. Ken knows that's not going to work. Dan Bigger knows that's not going to work. And so they try it for a bit and then it doesn't work. And I, I noticed that that one bit of the game where they looked vaguely competent, which was the last sort of 15 minutes of the first half, was when they basically just did what they would have done under Gatland. And they kicked to compete and they ran it around the corner and they scored a try. And, you know, obviously that's... It's not going to... Well, I mean, in 12 months' time, you might sit there and go, I told you. I just don't think... I think five, five, six games into a new regime on the back of a World Cup, I would be less doom laden. I just think there's no. I I would Having feel that, that way if there were any. If was there any evidence that what he was trying to do was working? Have said that? And there isn't. We won a World Cup and were shit for a decade. And yeah. I thought it kept going. It was going to get better, and it never did. Yeah, really, and so. I don't think you, the reality is. What you needed was, you know, Warren Gatland is a master at making the best of what you have and creating a system that maximizes talent. Eddie Jones is also fucking brilliant. At this it is arguably his key skill is looking at what he has and going, "I can make a system that works with this," mm. and. What I'm seeing from Pivak is I have a system and I will make you work in this system. And, and the, she, that is the worst. That is, well, that's a very good way to be out of a job at Test Rugby. Is that you can sign players to work for your system. Exactly. You can't do that. They, it's not level, can you? you know, at the Scarlets, they signed John Barkley. They signed Tag Byrne. You know, they mm. didn't have those players in Wales. And so they signed them. And can, what a surprise, they were forwards. You know, it's... 
the thing that really worries me more as much as anything else, aside from the ship performance, was that the, the fact that the lack of crowd noise on the BBC broadcast meant that you could hear the players fucking arguing with each other <laughs> and shouting at each other and looking like, obviously, we never had a silent game under Warren Gatland, but I never saw the Wales players openly arguing like that under Gatland and looking at, just not looking like a happy camp at all. And that, that, as much as anything, concerns me because it's like, Wales did, it wasn't, like, like you said, it was not all fucking sunshine and rainbows under Gatland. They had some genuinely historic losing runs and yet they never looked like this. They never looked, they were never bickering amongst themselves and angry and throwing blame around. And that's, that's as mu- almost as much as anything else concerns me because it's like, well, fucking hell if we're less than a year into this and you're already trying to play the blame game as to who's responsible for this complete clusterfuck, how is that going to be? You know, Josh Adams was like, oh yeah, we'll all pull together. You know, we, we, we just, I don't believe him. <laughs> it does not look like a squad that's pulling together at the moment. And yeah, that Wim is... was fairly honest at the end as he always is, wasn't he? But... Yeah, and, and you know, the, the, the term coach killer, like if your squad is fucking at war with one another because they don't like what you're doing or some of them do and some of them don't, then, I mean, there's only one way that's going to fucking go. And it's not like he's got an easy run, is it? Straight into the Autumn Nations Cup now. Georgia's the only winnable game there, really. The way that things are going. Not going to win in Dublin. Not going to beat England. And then Six Nations, where you've got trips to Edinburgh, Paris and Rome. And Ireland and England and Cardiff. I'm drawing this to a close. Closed. That two-year that two-year break clause is going to look like the smartest bit of contract foresight the WIU has ever done. We if shall this carries see. on. But yes, it yeah. was pretty fucking abysmal on Saturday. Congratulations be... to England, by the way. Oh yeah, I don't think even they were that asked. No, they genuinely. No. Owen Farrell it's... was on the video link after he was just like, yeah, yeah. And then they were getting the trophy at some like posh club in London the day after behind closed doors. It was like, this is just but the most fitting the, way for this They still had the pyrotechnics and it just looked awful. Oh, that's hilarious. It was embarrassing. It? Honestly, the worst Six Nations. Uh, so, let's move on to shit good because we've been at this for donkeys. Yeah. Like, start with shit. Let's get this out of the way. Brian Moore making a joke oh. about bulimia, which was fucking ridiculous, but... It was obviously one of those brain fart moments. He's since apologised. Yeah, and it's the thing, like, it's, it, right, people rightly called him out for it, and then he just put his hands up and went, yeah, I shouldn't have said that, and let all of us who've never said something fucking stupid in the service <laughs> of trying to be funny throw the first stone. And then everybody, you know, what a surprise, the woke fucking pitchfork mob just went, all right. Yeah. Appreciate it, thanks. Yeah, yeah, appreciate it. People are quite nice and compassionate and understanding if you own up to being fucking shit and fucking up. It's funny that, anyway. People always go mad about snowflakes as well. Well, let's not forget that 1.6 million people in Britain have eating disorders of some description. Exactly. And also disordered eating in pro and amateur athletes is a particular problem. Yeah, it's it's not a funny thing to be joking about, especially as jokes about these sort of things can be, you know, psychologically impactful. And so it's right that he apologised. You know. Both Beat and Mind online do offer lots of support. If anybody out there should need it, mm-hmm. it is there because it is a thing and it shouldn't be joked about, but he's apologised. Indeed. Moving on. And to the bloke that said that that would give us an hour of stuff to talk about, that took a lot less than a fucking hour, dickhead. <laughs> so, 
Yeah, funny that, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, what else we got is shit here. John Dunn gets in touch. He said mm. shit was the island line-out without the presence of the screaming skull. Yes. <laughs> There's true. the answer. You're, There's your answer. You remove a very, very tall man from the equation <laughs> and the wheels just come the fuck off, don't they? <laughs> uh, you got any shit? Uh, I got a couple. Uh, Jonathan Joseph, because I honestly, genuinely forgot he was playing until I checked the team sheet after the match. I genuinely forgot he was on the field. I don't think I heard his name mentioned. I did once. that with James Lang for Scotland, and I was covering the game. And then I watched a bit of the game back. Was like, he's actually done really well here. He's like, James Lang played well. It was the archetypal twelve performance that was like really like the glue that nobody notices. It was great. Yeah, well, I don't think Jonathan Joseph. I just think he no. just didn't. The ball barely got past Farrell. Yeah, and also it just and it certainly didn't get past. It it, it was just. He just, I completely forgot. I mean, maybe I'm the shit. I just not <laughs> that noticing can't be he was playing. John. I don't believe that's the case. <laughs> um, Aled Price gets in touch on the Patreon messaging, and he says, Hello. "I've binned off Twitter because it's a cesspit." He says, "All right, fair enough, Alan." He says, "I'm not sure the pod's going on tonight. It is." He said, "Or mm-hmm. not?" But I felt compelled to share my shit for the week. Commentary and punditry is so bad everywhere. This was particularly was inspired so by bad. Jiffy this weekend. He came out with such classics as, I don't think that's high, but he has grabbed him round the neck. <clears throat> and blaming the wind for the line-outs, despite the ball coming out of Elias's hands at a right angle. That was uh, <laughs> at least three of those from Scotland days. as well were diagonally thrown. It's like, yeah, that's not the wind. It was just bad hooking. <laughs> Let's yes. just call it what it was. It was yes. a fucking... Attra- when he was blaming the wind, when they were happening like 30 seconds apart on different sides of the field... <laughs> And Swirling. the ball was somehow going the wrong way, both in different directions. Andrew Cotter like... constantly referred to people's people to the clouds. <laughs> well, look at the way the clouds are moving. Nobody cares about the clouds, Andrew. We can't Christ. see the clouds. Uh... It reminds me of that. Have you seen the Madness of King George, the film? Yes. When, they, when, when there's that one doctor who's obsessed with the fact that he keeps having like normal shits, <laughs> and the, the senior physician sort of says. Listen, what are you going to learn that a man can still pass a solid stool and still be a stranger to reason? <laughs> Speaking of shit hookers, actually, um, shit and hookers, I should say, uh, Fraser Brown injuring himself while attempting the world's most pointless body check. If Wales had been like 3% more competent, that could have well cost Scotland the game. And Stuart McAnally was very lucky, speaking of hookers as well. Yeah. Wasn't he? Because he ran in like shoulder first into the scrum half, but he only did that because he bounced off the bloke he was trying to charge. Trying to charge, do an incredible. So he basically ran like a torpedo six inches off the ground, bounced upwards and smashed into Gareth Davis, (laughs) and then they just just a penalty. That it's like what? I don't. Yeah, there was. I mean, Andrew Brace is a fucking shit ref, and he always is. So. Yeah, I was As I said, he's that. got a face like an incompetent but vindictive district attorney, Andrew Brown. <laughs> and that's exactly how he referees the game as well. <laughs> incompetent but vindictive. What else have we got here that's shit? Matt Herbert gets in touch. He says, shit, is Super League rejecting Toronto Wolfpack's admission for next season? Rugby League we're talking now. I, I live don't... in Toronto. I was excited to see Sonny Bill Williams playing here next year, but that dream is dead. It's a shame because they were getting 10K watching. Fair dues. Wasn't it because the new owner basically has gone, I'll bankroll it, and then they've gone, let's have a look at your financial plan, and he's basically handed them a fucking cocktail napkin with (laughs) fucking underpants gnomes written on it. (laughs) My word is my bond. Yeah. 
<laughs> Evan Quick says that shit is Wales' defence again. Oh, it's yeah. better this week, Evan. But yeah, and also Still the net. He said also shit is the Netflix film Who Be Halloween with Adam. I can Sandler. believe it. Adam Sandler. An hour and a half. I'll never get back. I mean, what is he doing now, Adam Sandler, man? I mean, you know, it was never. It was always hit and miss, wasn't it? But then but Adam just, Sandler had that film. What is it? Like Uncut Gems, where he was like oh, proper yeah, serious was, yeah. actor, and everybody said he. I haven't watched it. But everyone said he was excellent, and then, but he's still doing Adam Sandler things. Yeah, weird. What else we got this year? Gary Ox says shit is Stockdale rivaling Hooge for the worst choice at fullback. Like, oh, it's not that. Oh, bad. he's not that bad. Oh, come, come on, on now. He understands he did, basic position. Yeah, he did seem to know where to stand at least. Yeah. I mean, Stuart Pavitt gets in touch. He said, shit, is the people of Clenetley have clearly angered the rugby gods and we got the worst 160 minutes of rugby we've ever seen in two days. <laughs> there are people claiming that Edinburgh 6, Scarlet's 3 was a good game. Edinburgh Rugby said that and he's a very reasonable just, and sensible man. I didn't see the game. I'm sorry, so. I don't believe you. <laughs> I didn't see the game. But I have met him, actually, and he's a nice and sensible man. So I've got no I've reason heard to doubt people, A lot of people who are saying it was actually a good game were Edinburgh fans, who I think were just <laughs> enjoying watching them. But I've spoken to a couple of neutrals, and it, I don't think it was as good a game as you're making out. Phil Carlton gets in touch. He says, shit is everything, literally everything, apart <laughs> from France. I hope you're okay, yeah. Phil. Don't worry about it, mate. I know it's locked down and all that. Yeah, you know. I mean, I, I, I think and many of our listeners and maybe some of our hosts would sympathise, but, you know, it'll be all right. Phil Lewis says, shit, I'm sorry. He says, I know Josh has probably covered a deep dive this, but Wales, from fourth oh, yeah. in the world to an aimless, happens, impotent rugby. All right, come on. I can't do this again. It's not that bad. It's a fucking moaning. Anyway, C. McSporty gets in touch, and he said, shit, is Andy Farrell picking a winger at fullback against France? He said, but good, or oh shit, I don't know, was Sexton throwing a hissy fit when he'd been taken off. Even better that he looked up at the big stream, big screen and saw himself doing it and continued anyway. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't even ashamed, good man. You got any more shit for me, what's a good? Uh, Reese Carey. I know he scored a try yeah. and everything, but he is, being, he? he is being picked because Pivak wants a big, for, a big carriers yeah. in the pack and he's 22 and he just looks it like... He's not being a dominant carrier at test level and he just needs to look like he needs to start for Cardiff every week for a couple of years. And Wales are not short of decent loose heads these days. And he's Rob not Evans, that good at the loose head either. No, uh, you know, it's like Nicky Smith, Rob Evans, Wynne Jones. Is like, Rob Evans injured? I assume so. He usually is. <laughs> but <laughs> I don't think he... I don't, did he actually start on the Scarlet? And is Samson again? injured again? Uh, yeah, Samson was HIA in. Okay. Um, but you know, speaking, I mean, speaking about that, Brian Moore joke. To be fair, I mean, how much of a clack was Healy have taken to start spewing up? Yeah, <laughs> I thought he'd been um, really badly winded or something because he was holding. But it seems like he, did, he took a twat on the head, didn't he? Was that? Oh fuck me! I didn't realise that. Was then he the... went off for an HIA and came back on, so he must have passed it. But obviously, can't be good, can it? Yeah, Rob Evans played for the Scarlets last night. Um, Hasn't so he not been fit. selected again? Basically, he's been ignored, which I despise because I think he's one of the most talented loose oh, like props yeah. I've seen in Carries years. a ball well as well, weirdly. Yeah. And handles well. Big big ball carrier, lovely set of hands, decent scrummager. Like, and yet, for some reason, we're, throw, we're basically just ruining Rhys Carey by making him start for Wales every week when he's not ready. 
Let's move on to good, shall we? Mm, let's. We've covered a lot of it already, but uh, have you got anything particular for good? Uh, I've mentioned him earlier, but Jamie Ritchie, honestly, like yes. the biggest difference between Scotland last year and Scotland now is that he has just come on fucking leaps and bounds as a player this in the last 12 months. And he genuinely, you know, he's absolutely the sort of player that Scotland have been missing. Mm. And and he makes a huge difference. Yeah, what a lot of there's a lot of good catharsis from Scott the Scottish listenership coming out this week. Ian Wallace says Good was Scotland's outstanding defensive performance against Wales. I mean Wales ran for hundred and ninety one metres, Ian. Calm yourself down. But yeah, it was yeah. a decent defensive performance. He said shit is Muppets moaning about individual performances in the team after we've got our first away win in Wales for eighteen years. Yeah, I mean, well, I'm with you on that, Ian. Oh god, yeah. Ian McGilp says, good, when you're watching Wales versus Scotland, your team's on the attack, and despite being less interesting than a late-night Open University lecturer, you realise your heart's still pumping like mad. Yes, there's no crowds, but it's great to have Six Nations rugby back. Fair dues, Ian. Yeah, I suppose. Graeme Golding gets in touch. (laughs) (laughs) Graeme Golding gets in touch. He says, good, Jamie Ritchie. For ages, our pack has been described as too nice, especially by a certain Welshman of the pod. Yes. He's right, though, Graeme. Um, Richie's enabled full beast bastard mode, and it was sensational. Yep, need to carry mm. that forward. 100%. Ken Seaton says good was Stad Rochelle's prop Leo Leo Oaf swan diving to score against I Pope. really enjoyed that. Beautiful yeah. picture, that, isn't it? He's, what, six foot off the ground diving Easy. in? Beautiful. Serious air. Imagine how much that must have hurt when he... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like a fucking C-130 Hercules uh, Callum Robertson gets in touch he says good is Scotland's last 10 minutes smart, disciplined, patient and completely unprecedented yes it is a little bit unprecedented it was good to see them Angus Savage said his good was Johnny Hill's October yes he has had a good month Johnny Hill yeah. hasn't he he's a shit bag isn't he in the yeah. best possible English second row way He's an absolute shitbag. Him and Itoji, if they keep that partnership well, going. I think he's come yeah. along at exactly the right time. In that yeah. it's, you know, with Cruis moving on and sort of, and Law's getting injured, it's like he, he, he has the chance to keep that shirt for a long time. Stu gets in touch. Vader's jester, he says, good is Jamie Ritchie. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Alex gets it up. He says, "Good is Jake Paledri, the natural successor to Sergio Parisi's fuck it, I'll do it myself, including getting binned and everything." Yeah, he was everywhere, <laughs> and was being a fucking prick to everyone. <laughs> Which here for it, as the young people say. <laughs> Ian Ian Wheeler says, "Good was Andrew Cotter saying Andrew Cotter's steadying finger from a teammate line was." Co- <laughs> <laughs> it was the most memorable moment yeah, in Wales versus great. Scotland. Andy and Brum says good was France. These guys can keep if these guys can keep semi sane during games, they'll be unstoppable in a few years' time. Yep. Patricia, friend of the pod, says good remain Antimax hair. It's been remarks on before, but there's no no harm in raising it again. I don't claim to understand how it's always so perfect, but it is. <laughs> Honestly, it's one of the most remarkable things in sport, I think. He does. He doesn't. Just, he never gets dirty and never sweats, and his hair is always perfect. It's glorious. It's like he's got some sort of like sort of shield around himself. It's like he like plays just... in bullet time. 
Sam Ashworth says, is good as England winning the Six Nations, but shit is not really feeling like it because I can't remember any games from before the lockdown. Yeah, I know what you mean. 100%. Yep, Neither right can the fucking you. nominating committee of the player of the fucking tournament right fucking round. panel, I don't think, either. <laughs> any good from you to finish off? Uh, I genuinely, Olivon getting uh, the try fucking most scores, try scored in the tournament award. Which, when was the last time a forward? Uh, maybe that says more about the fucking shitness of this year's tournament. But I Could still do. think for a, for a flanker to be the top try scorer. Did Von Apola score a few? I don't think he's been top scorer, but he scored a few. Not this year, but he scored yeah. a few a couple of years ago. To on. actually physically top the try scoring charts is. Uh, uh, yeah, fair play. I bet you the last forward for France who topped their try scoring charts was Olivier Magne, and that would be a beautiful <laughs> bookend for how I see Charles Olivon. Because he is basically like a bigger, more frightening version of Olivier Magne. Completely agree. And that'll be us, I think, won't it? I think so, yeah. I mean, unless you want me to talk more about how much I despise <laughs> Wayne Pivak's Wales. You probably don't want me to do that. Well, I think there'll be enough opportunity over the next 12 months, one way or another. So. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, let's face it. We have, have uh, you know, an Autumn Nations Cups worth of me talking about this. So, Rate. look forward to that, fellas. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, Josh. We sail forward into the Autumn Internationals, as you just said. We sail forward into the fucking domestic rugby starting again in England mm-hmm. in about a week or something. Pro Fuck Fourteen knows. has been on tonight. How did the How did the Zebra game finish? Before we finish, uh, it finished. Uh, I think it was twenty seventeen or twenty three seventeen to Zebra in the end, uh, and the Ospreys got uh, quite harshly denied a winning try at the death with a very, very, very flat forward pass being given by an Italian TMO. It's a good job that shit never happens in the in any in the Pro Fourteen on the rag, is it? It's absolutely bang on with your vibe tonight, though. That's how oh, this yeah. has ended. So we'll see you soon, everybody. Ta-da. Bye. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing, and now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.